Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. Uh, Hootie Who. It is a Star Trek edition. That was your one. Yeah, it is. Is is there anything more exciting than the Star Trek edition? Uh, I look forward to it uh, when I'm not when I'm not living in fear of it. I'm I'm deeply looking forward to it every week. Yeah, it can be terrifying. You're not wrong about that. Uh, This is what the twenty first entry into the comparative Star Trek series. It sure is. It's week twenty one. Wow. you know, uh, just just at this moment, mm. uh, TOS and TNG are tied with eight wins each. Wow. So I wonder how long that's, that's going to hold up. I wonder if throughout the run of TOS, if it'll be pretty even. I don't know. I think that the standard wisdom is that the third season of TOS is pretty weak. And the third season of TNG is pretty good. This is basically the best season. So yeah. it could be that by the time we're up in the 60s and 70s, TNG is kind of running away with it. Yeah, I mean, unless somebody else wants to get off their ass and do something about it. Well, the third season is supposed to be when DS9 gets good. Alright, well, so we shall we'll see. see. Yeah, But the rules as I laid this project out are if TOS, uh, TOS is the first one to fall off. Yes. And if it's, if it's in the lead, it wins. Even if we haven't compared the entirety of the other shows. Like, That's right. Okay, alright. I don't, doesn't mean we have to stop, but TOS will be the winner. Okay. At that point. Well, we'll see if they got it in them. See if they got it in yep. them this week. Which one did we but watch this week, That's a million dude? years from now, because this is week 21. And we're going to start it off with, uh, from the original series, The Return of the Archons. Um, we see Sulu and some red shirt, and they're both dressed like Paul Revere. And they're running from monks. Yeah, they are. Uh, the, monks, the monks aren't running very fast. Oh, the monks are just walking as usual, but they have, um, you know, they have hollow pipes, mm-hmm. which is very scary. And they zap Sulu, and he starts acting hella crazy. It turns out that the Enterprise is at this planet, looking for a missing starship, uh, the Archon. Yeah, but they dressed slightly wrong when they went down there. <laughs> just a little bit. I mean, just like a little bit wrong, because everybody wears. Um, I don't know. What would you say? Yeah, it's A- less eighteen eighty clothes, but without hats, most of them. Yeah, it's less uh, like New England uh, Revolutionary era, which is what they're originally dressed sort of like, and more uh, old Old West. Yeah. So you know, string ties, right? Uh, regular trousers instead of breeches or know, whatever breeches. Um, and yeah. Anyway. Uh, just a plot point. Is that really what, what the problem is with Sulu's first away team? Is that they're not dressed right? Yeah, he says it. It's one okay. of the things he maniacally says. He throws <laughs> the right clothes at Kirk and says that that's how, that's how they dressed, not not these things. 
Okay. All right. Uh, so that's how I got found out. Um, everyone on the planet <laughs> is uh, wacky. Yeah. They spend most of the time walking around real slow with their hands over their hearts and uh, wishing everyone a pleasant day. Uh, they're, they are of the body and they worship Landru. Yeah, they do. When Sulu says Landru, when he, they beam him up after he gets zapped, that is a great moment. Also in a completely meaningless, not necessary for the plot scene in any way, there's something called Festival. Mm-hmm. Which is 12 hours, who knows how often, in which everybody just goes, um, I'm going to say rape happy. Yeah, it gets... Definitely implied, right? Yeah. Anyway, Landru wrecked up the Archon. (laughs) Yes, And now now he's wrecking up the Enterprise, too. And Kirk and Spock and the rest of the away team, including, as always, one featured extra who can't be cool. Yep. Like, not even for a second. Like, he's on... They hook up... They hook up with the leader of the anti-Landru resistance, or at least this cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rager. Rager. <laughs> yeah. yes, I, Rager. I heard Rager, for sure. And, uh... <clears throat> and this guy can't be cool for a minute, and he's like, hey, don't you care at all about what happened to your daughter? And like, hey, that guy, that guy right there? That's the guy. That's the guy who was... Yep. On your daughter. Yeah, I seen it. They get captured immediately. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're having problems with this one. <laughs> it's a, okay, they get captured immediately. Yep. And they get taken into a special room, which is required to brainwash them into loving Landru. Except it wasn't required for Sulu. Yeah, they just used the hollow pipe on him. They just pointed the pipe at him. Yeah. But it turns out that the guy who's doing the brainwashing, uh, at least for Kirk and Spock, uh, it's, Ra- it's Rager's old buddy Marplon. And Marplon <laughs> is in the Resistance, too. So they just pretend to be brainwashed. But then that gets found out right away, too. Yep. <sighs> then they go into the special room where Landry was heard, and they shoot a hole in the wall, <laughs> and Landry's a computer. He is and, like a straight 1960s computer. And he's got... He's got programming that he's supposed to keep keep the body happy and healthy. Mm. And Kirk uh, gives a, a speech about how without free will, the body is dying and creativity is everything. He does give that and speech. And Landry is hurting the body and Landry self-destructs and they fly out of there. I mean, they leave the not chill guy behind. Good. Because he's a sociologist and he is going to help this planet become something again. But no one will ever check. We'll never know. Well, I mean, they specifically say they'll never know. That's right. I'm glad the expectations are aligned. I'm sorry. That's actually in TNG, when they leave a place and say they'll never know what what happened, or they may never know. That's good. We should have the proper expectations. I don't like it when they're like, oh, we're going to fix this place. The the reality is, yeah, we'll never know. Um... Yeah, so it, this is basic. This is what you think of when you think of Star Trek. This is some real old school sci-fi. If you had any doubt, just listen to the names we were talking about: Landru and Rager and, Mar- and Marplon. What about his buddy Tamar? Tamar is in there as well. What about the What about the guy that everyone's so concerned about because he got he got real rapey during Festival Bilar? <laughs> yeah, these are. Somebody took some regular words and then did a whoopsie and rearranged all of the, the syllables in them. 
What about the fact that uh, that they know Kirk and Spock as Archons because they are space travelers like the people on the Archon were? That's yeah, that's pretty basic sci-fi. I mean, this is yeah, essentially this is what you um, this is what you expect out of Star Trek. Matt, what's the super obvious take in yeah. this one? Well, you mentioned Kirk gave a speech. Yeah, he did give a speech. That yeah. always helps, right? Yeah, yeah. So, without freedom of choice, there's no creativity. Without creativity, there's no life, dog. I mean, I'm not sure how that statement holds up all the way through, but I would agree that freedom of choice and creativity are very nice to have. And this is a super, super sci-fi premise. So they're going to get points, man. They got a seven. You give this one a seven. Yeah. They they spelled it out for me. It's super sci-fi. I get it. I see what they're going for. It's just, um... Well, it's not subtle. It's not. Um... So I didn't give it quite as high as a seven. I, okay. I thought it was worth a five. Okay. There are a couple of things in this episode, in the way they chose to shoot this episode, that tell you that this was already a kind of by-the-numbers sci-fi take mm-hmm. at the time this happened. Like, they don't... They don't spend much time explaining how it's destructive. Yeah, you're supposed to... Yeah, it's granted. It's granted the audience is supposed to be like, well, that's bad, and I get why it's bad. Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to go too far into execution, but essentially, a lot of the stuff in this episode tells you, hey, you know what this is. Yeah. Just like the way Kirk will offhandedly say something like, That's, this is probably an ancient race where they no longer know how to use their old technology. And it's like, hey, um, this seems like a lot of supposition. Like, introduce us to the concept, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it doesn't get uh, get as many. It is it is clear. Another thing about it not being an amazing sci-fi take is what is the real world parallel. Now, there's a little bit in this, um, and I thought it was a, it's a little bit of a cute <laughs> reminder yeah, yeah. that even in the 60s, the idea of going back to simpler times was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, look, it's deeply just... sad that we haven't advanced beyond that idea, <laughs> despite 100 science fiction takes about it. Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't take, for whatever reason. Um, I mean, last week we had the... I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Yeah, last week was court-martial, right? Uh, where they had that lawyer who was just real unhappy about computers. Yeah, Co- and... Cogley or Cogsworth, whatever. Cogsworth, who, who was like, um, I'm going to turn this whole episode around and I'm going to tell you, everyone at home that what's really happening is that... Bowing down to computers uh, is worse than bowing down to any dictator. That's right. And I think this is kind of <laughs> going for the same thing, like, well, what if a computer just ran your lives? And it's like, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I get it. I mean... But, like, but what's But like, what's the analog for that? Like, what's the real world thing? Like, just, look, at, look at all the sheeple painting, yes. trying to color inside the lines. Yeah, I think it has something to do with uh, how you, you can't... There's a, you know, thought police. It's like 1984 stuff. So real real world parallel maybe hasn't happened. But, um, you know, they're worried about fu- the future dictators and how they will control us with computers or whatever. So, uh, there... Whoa. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Yeah, that this was is fast, it, dog. dog. This was Ben's pick of the week. Well, I always I always give it on his top score, and his yeah, top yeah. score was take. He's in it. I mean, freedom is his take is different, by the way. Huh? He missed Kirk's speech. He didn't listen to Kirk's speech. Oh. Uh, 
He, his is, freedom is never a gift, it has to be earned. So I guess he's pretty critical about all these guys who were not fighting Landru. Just like the one or two guys who somehow were not brainwashed? I wasn't really clear on how they made it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we know that Rager is immune to it. Just He's not, just straight immune? He is just immune. That's cool. Like, he can go he can go through that machine or get shot by them tubes as much as he wants, and he's just going to pretend that everything's cool. Hmm. Not clear whether Marplon is immune. Yeah. He may have just insinuated himself into that weird semi-priesthood. Right. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I was going to say was... Um, I, I played for you during the David Bowie episode a song called Savior Machine, which is almost exactly yeah, this plot, yes. because it's almost exactly every Isaac Asimov plot, or whatever. Just, you know what I mean, like... It's a song about a machine that takes over the world in order to make everyone everything better, but he ends up making it all worse, and he keeps asking them to kill him because he's making he's making society worse or whatever. So, so what's his name? Doesn't do that, but once he someone tells him Landry was who I'm talking about. Once someone tells him he's fucking up, he's like, "Oh, I fucked up," and just self destructs. But yeah. anyway, <clears throat> very very basic sci fi. Uh, what about the execution? You got into it a little bit. Yeah, so I think the main the main thing that has bugged me about this since I watched it is there's not even an attempt to explain Festival. Yeah, I know. The, like, why is it necessary? Why do they put up with it? Like, everyone's just like, it's the will of Landrew. But they don't explain that it's like, are humans building up emotions or something during all this time that they're walking around wishing each other peace and happiness, and festivals how they get it out. And if they don't release it, they're somehow harmed? Why are the elderly excused from festival? What purpose does it serve? Yeah. There's no attempt. It's like it's from a different script, a different version of the script, and that somehow they were like, you know what, let's cut all this festival shit. But they left it in, because it was like the only exterior set, and they're like, well, we already spent the money. Yeah, and there isn't, they don't talk too much about how it all works with this city and the valley and ever I guess everybody is into Landru, but some people have different customs and like it, it, you don't you don't get enough of what is happening on that place. Yeah. Also Kirk is uh, very flippant with his intervention. Like he He's definitely going to he's definitely going to fuck shit up and he's definitely going to take off afterwards. Well, I I wouldn't want I mean, to. He left out. the he left the guy there. I mean, that guy's going to that guy's going to keep talking shit to uh, to old Rager about his daughter, probably. Yeah. I mean, you just let it happen, man. <laughs> did, did you I'm see here it? to fix you. I don't know if you remember, but your, your girl went out there during festival, and uh, I saw some... There were hands. There were definitely hands on her. Uh, she Her shirt got ripped, like Kirk. And you just let it happen, bro. So, you know, I thought that they, um, they didn't do enough work explaining or showing that the society was bad. Yeah. Because it seems like you could have the same society without festival, and then what's the problem? Yeah, then everyone's just really polite to each other. Yeah. So, I only had it at a four, um, originally, but I did give it a plus one for the little detail that Sulu and O'Neill got caught because they were dressed in slightly <laughs> the wrong clothes. That's true, because somehow in Star Trek, they always know which clothes to change into. Yep, and they just fucking, like, they were just, you know, 80 to 100 years too early, but, like, yeah, someone up there was like, I don't, yeah, that's probably the right clothes. 
Not only was no effort made to explain all the stuff we talked about, but is there any effort made to explain why this is why they dress like it's Earth in the 1700s? Like why? Just... Or why they are constantly being referred to as human throughout yeah. the entire episode? What is this? What's happening? They don't. It, they don't. Care. Are they humans? Because no other explanation is given. They don't care. But if they're humans, and Landry has been there for six thousand years. What happened? What did happen? <laughs> How did they get there? <laughs> what is going on, and what's the deal? Yeah. Um. I give it a five. Uh, I get it. Like, the computer tries like tries like hell to control everybody so they can't do bad shit to each other. And it seems like um, when that doesn't entirely work, he makes it so they can only show emer- emotions during the crazy time. Um, it thought it could control or like improve society by controlling everything, but everyone's crazy and unhappy, so Kirk's premise wins. Whatever. Um, I'm not sure how many planet-controlling computers we've already run into, but it's, it already feels old. I don't know how many times this has happened yet. Maybe it's just this project that's making it seem old. It's like... Because I know there was, like, Custodian, and he didn't really control it, but he he ran everything right. in the other the other show, in TNG. And I know we're going to run into a lot of supercomputers in TOS, but for some reason I was like, God, really? We're at computer computer overlord time? It's to the... I mean... another Another example of them treating it like, you guys know what's happening here. Is Kirk and Spock uh, have a little thing where Spock's like, this society is completely soulless. Yep. And uh, Kirk says, you're thinking what I'm thinking? And then they just don't talk about it for 20 more minutes. And then all of a sudden they blow the door away and there's the computer and they look at each other like, yeah, it was a computer all along. That's right. It's like, hey, it's hella easy to say you're thinking what I'm thinking and then not say anything else. And then when you discover what's really going on, just look at each other and go, yeah, we knew. We We did it. You and I, we were on the same page. We both thought it together that this is what was happening. But it's a, yeah, it's kind of a cheat for Kirk. Because Spock might have been thinking computer, but Kirk was just going, he was just going along with it. They, I mean, they treat it like, like they should have called up to the ship at some point and been like, uh, we have a code 18 down here. Yeah. It's a uh, computer, computer running the planet, soulless, stagnating society. <laughs> right. Maybe soon. Maybe soon we will have that code based on how many times something like this happens. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I had, you know, why is it the old West or whatever? Because of bad writing? Like budget concerns? Uh, oh, it's why? because they had access to that back lot or whatever. Right. So it's... it's eh. But no explanation in the episode makes it seem even dumber, so... Like, I, on the premise, yeah, I get it. I get what happened. I'm I'm there. But uh, not not a wonderful episode. Yeah. And not very much world building, really. Yeah. I had um, lighting panels. Okay. Broadcast power. Okay, <laughs> these are just terms. Heat beams. Hmm, yep. 6,000-year-old computer. Uh-huh. And also, I guess all of these guys are humans? Yeah, I, that's what they call them. I could only see fit to give it three points. I'm just, before I get into mine, I'm looking at what Ben said for it. He gave it a five in world building. He said, uh, Starship Archon, lots of time lag and space mysteries. Yeah, I know that. Um... <laughs> Let's see, uh, is this the first time we've seen the Type 1 phaser? No idea. Yeah, I don't think so, but we did get a closer look at it and the communicators than we do in many episodes. Yeah. Uh, Chief Engineer's in the chain of command. Um, I don't know if I he's... think only when Sulu's crazy. Yeah, I think the, I think he is below Sulu, but I guess it's interesting that he's in it. Uh, and he said Prime Directive. I don't know if he had said that before. You know, this. I wonder if this is the first time 
that that spot so spock introduces it and then kirk really hand waves it away and says that that refers to growing societies <laughs> yep he, you know, he has an, he definitely has an explanation right off the bat uh which definitely seemed made up um yeah so i didn't have much uh i had beta 3 <laughs> yep that is the planet the starship archon disappeared like 100 years ago uh all of the crazy nonsense on this planet which i don't think we will see again I had Prime Directive only refers to living, growing cultures, and not a bunch of people subdued by a computer. That's good. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, how can I give points to this? Everything in this episode is just about the crazy planet they're on, and it's never going to come up again. So I, I gave it I gave it three. Just based on the yeah. Prime Directive stuff, it got up to three. You know, really, that's the only thing that is a part of the bigger universe at all, is the Prime Directive, and... Kirk is pretty clear that he doesn't care about it at all. I mean, either that or he is comfortable making, like, precedent on the fly. Just yeah. like, oh, uh, it doesn't count. This one, this doesn't count for these reasons. Did you feel any better about the characterization? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Kirk, uh, Hela knows how to lead a landing party. He's, like, spitting out Hela instructions and, more importantly, acts like he knows what he's doing. He, he basically crushes it in this episode. Um, Spock has the powers of deduction. And is usually of the same mind as Kirk. It makes them work well together. Uh, even including that scene that we just talked about where they're uh, silently communicating about what is happening. Well, listen, all, all Spock needs is a slight justification to pursue a ship to its death or mm-hmm. break the Prime Directive. He's pretty aggressive. He's a, He's got that Vulcanian blood of his. I don't think he's got those emotions fully under control. And I think Bones is still recovering by the end of the episode because they even give the banter scene on the bridge to Spock and Kirk in the end. So they, That's true. A lot of the time, Bones gets to jump in on that one, but not on this one. Uh, McCoy and Sulu spend a lot of the episode totally brainwashed. Yeah. Um, Sulu from, like, the beginning. So Well, he also just disappears after that first scene. I actually really liked Kirk and Spock in this, uh, but because there wasn't much else happening and I don't think we saw anything really new from them, I gave it a five. I thought it was fine. All right, I gave it. I scored it a little higher than that, and um, so it is. It is classic Kirk to talk a computer into committing suicide. Yes, this either is the it number is, one most basic thing Kirk can do. Either it is, or will soon become classic Kirk. Depending this is on exactly how this works. what you expect out of Kirk. Yeah. So. If that were the only thing that happened in this episode, it would be a 10. Because that's <laughs> essentially 100% correct characterization for him. Yep. But at the end, on that little end scene on the bridge, I had to take some points away because Spock gets, like, real shitty about the notion of the culture having no soul. And he's like, I prefer scientific results or something like that. Yeah. But Dog, he is the one who said it to Kirk 20 minutes earlier in the yeah. dungeon cell. He's like, it's a completely soulless society. I think he even says it has no soul and no spirit. I think he doubles up on it. <laughs> and then on the on the bridge, he's like, don't, let's not do this superstitious nonsense. You're right. What was that? Is yep. that hypocrisy or is it bad writing? I can't tell, so I only give it eight points. Oh, but still though, damn, that's pretty high. Yeah, dude, Kirk talks computer into committing suicide. That's always going to score real big for me. Yeah, I just I I wasn't sure I wasn't sure what to do with the fact that it was just those two, and I I didn't feel like any character was built. I felt, but you're right, there was consistency for sure. It was Kirk was doing Kirk stuff, Spock was doing Spock stuff. So, yep. um, 
Yeah, I get it. Okay. So, uh, there is some math to be done here. Yeah, yeah, What did you, um... What did you think? What, what I, was this? What I like about these is that I, I, I'm typing the notes in real time, and I often don't go back to change them. So if I'm, like, yeah, me either. off on a on a weird path where I think it's going to go, it's in here. So I have uh, Sulu got a blast from the Happy Ray. His ruffly shirt signifies revolutionary times? Uh, when he says go to Rager's house, does he mean Duncan Regeer? I think he does mean Duncan Regeer. Isn't that what that other podcast kept calling him? Yeah, and, well, in The Greatest Generation... Um, they're in season seven. Uh, today I listened to. Well, we're past up, Rosa. We're getting pretty far. What Genesis or something? Like how far? Are we? No, Genesis is the next one. Today I listened to the one. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but the guy jumps into the nacelle. Mm, yeah, that one's called um, Troy. Troy got an episode. She got to be in an episode. It, it advances the Troy Wharf relationship yeah, for some reason. With with some additional uh, feelings of jealousy about Callaway, yes, it's in Callaway. <laughs> uh, yeah, they got to that one, but they did sub Rosa a little bit ago. And in the beginning, when they were talking about Duncan Regeer, they did call him Duncan Rager about fifteen times. <laughs> I would not have been able to keep listening. It was very hard for me not to just stop stop the episode and, and unsubscribe to the podcast. Uh, oh, I thought he wasn't anything to them, so they don't know they don't know that he's our Zorro. They should know that, though, because he should be their Zoro. I think we talked about this last time, too. He's everyone's Zoro. Uh, Oh, they got a hot young thing to be one of the zombies. That's what I have there. Um, Yep. uh, Let's see. One of those rubber bricks hit an Enterprise crewman as they were running away, but he didn't seem to notice. Yeah, it was like (laughs) when that big rubber spear hit Spock uh, (laughs) in Galileo 7. It's like, if you're going to make it seem like those are bricks, the guy should probably react when it hits him right on the noggin. Yep. Just domed him. Um, uh, let's see. Kirk quietly says, Landru. Yes, he Looking does. out the window. Like, everybody clearly said Landru, dude. Everyone <laughs> in the episode has said it to you, and you still didn't get it right. And that's yeah. such a fucking Shatner thing to do. It's not It's not just Shatner. Everybody does it. I've got one of those for TNG, too. <laughs> um, Landru. Uh, we never don't say Campok. <laughs> when we talk about the old Klingon leader of the High Council, Kim Peck, because one time Picard shouts Kampok in that episode. He's clearly just over-emotional, but and they went, we're not redoing that. I always love when they've said it right 15 times already, and yep. then you get the one that was obviously from an earlier take, or like they shot it out of order, and then the guy says it wrong the first time. Before they'd gone, like, so what is this? Is this Lan- Landru? 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 We're like, saying Landru? Oh, okay. Shit, I said Landru, but I've heard you guys say Landru 15 times. I'm going to start saying Landru too, and then <laughs> they just go back and fix it. But yes, he did. He's like looking at the window and so quietly and carefully just goes, Landru. This window. This window here. Um... Obviously, there was nothing behind it but black fabric. <laughs> yep. Except for the five times that we looked out onto Festival. Yes. Uh, ver- it was very bad. It was uh, a very bad window. It was a bad set. It was really... I mean, the set reminded me of the quality of the same setting in the Bill and Ted video game. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was, but the music was much worse. Yes, <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I had to like- get Sitting Bull his lawn chair. I, I said again, I think I missed the explanation. Why didn't the girl's dad, that, that innkeeper guy, follow Landru's commands? Because he, I guess he's immune? He, uh, yes, he, yeah. he's... Marplon says that he's immune. Okay. I uh, I didn't actually have a lot of quick hitters. The MVP of this episode, um, I, I said Kirk, I guess, because he, he smoked Landru. 
with yeah, his powers. He, he embarrassed Landrew very badly. He made him kill himself with his words. Um, Spock was definitely crucial to the effort, though, but the, the MVP was, was, was definitely Kirk. Did you feel like it was worth extra points because Spock straight punched a guy in the face instead of neck pinching him or doing a karate <laughs> chop as he often does? He was in Rome, dude. He was in the Old West during festival, and he just straight hauled off and punched a dude. So good for him. Like you, uh, I mostly do do these is stream of consciousness for these quick hitters because yeah. I don't trust myself to remember them later. So. Oh, dude, there uh, are times w- during especially TOS and TNG where I have to pause it to make sure I'm getting everything down, because they're coming so quickly. <laughs> I thought it was extremely unencouraging that the first words spoken in the episode episode are Sulu mispronouncing the name O'Neill. <laughs> what did he say? He shouts, O'Neill! <laughs> it's so close, though! It's close, but, like, the emphasis is totally wrong. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, O'Neill! Uh, O'Neill! It's like, wait, what? <laughs> You know, uh, Lieutenant O'Neill. But, um, so as bad as I felt, uh, during that and the rest of the subsequent teaser scene, I was so jazzed when I heard Sulu say Landrew. I know. When he just shouted Landrew in the transporter room, I was like, oh, it's on. I, I knew I know there was... About, I know about Landrew. There was something familiar about the episode, and then when he says that, I went, I went oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, this is the one. Because it's like, oh, we're in for it. Here comes Star Trek. Yep. Um, I, uh, although I enjoyed the only realistic shot in all of Star Trek of a city taken from space, no credit for this Google Maps shot on the remaster. Yeah. Because it wasn't in the 60s version. That's true. Uh, Haycom? Nope. Sorry. Is this Haycom and not Haycorn, right? It's Haycom? <laughs> I think it's Haycom. <laughs> Real asshole. Yeah, like right from the start, too. He's a fucking douchebag. Why are why do Rager and Tamar, who are in this resistance cell, hang out with this paranoid asshole all the time? It doesn't seem like a good idea if you're going to stay hidden because these guys don't have to do much. They just show up and he's on. He's like all over them. These are fucking he, outsiders. They're right they're not away, of the body. They're not from the body. Yeah, he's hella suspicious that they're not out there during festival. I mean, even look, though they have the right. explanation that they're looking for a room. Like Landrew programmed that guy great because he's on. Yep. Them. Um, I thought McCoy was the only one who looked uh, truly comfortable in that Western getup. Well, I think he had done a few of those. Yep. <laughs> I think he had done a few in his many years. Um, this fucking computer, this Landrew, mm-hmm. could not win a sixth grade debate. Well, as soon as they blow the hole in the wall, it's already kind of stuttering and stammering. It's kind of like, oh, but, I, uh, but I'm L- Landru, and it's like, oh boy. Yeah, he's no yeah. match for Kirk. Yeah, I mean, Kirk doesn't have to try hard. Yeah. Kirk doesn't have to show any evidence that they're stagnating or anything. He just tells them that it's true. Spock puts it to him as a proposition that it's he's that he is harming them, and then he's just like, oh, I've got it from here. I'll just blow up in smoke. <laughs> That's right. My 6,000-year the- reign is over now. <laughs> In the end, at the end scene, when they say, when the dude captain's log or whatever, or they're talking on the bridge and they say, uh, even Sulu's back to normal, and he fucking walks in to relieve that guy, he mugs for the camera and like shrugs, like, hey, I'm back. It's me, Sulu! Like, he spikes the lens and shrugs. I know. Like, hey guys, you know me, I'm Sulu. 
Remember me from earlier in the episode? Relieved and he leaves the, the ship. I was in this earlier. I'm back. That's um, Come back next week. That's not up to his usual standards. That's yeah. not up to, to George Takei's usual standards on this show. Where he's one of the better actors. Well, I'll tell you, dude. They uh, they really scrubbed him out of this episode. He had to really he had to hit it hard. It's like whenever you see somebody in a musical or something and they only have one line, so they hella ham up that line. Like they just hit it as hard as they possibly can. Yep. I think he's like, I'm only in this episode in the very beginning and the very end, so I'm gonna give it to you. <clears throat> so is that that it on the quick hits? Uh, that is it on the quick hitters. I gave uh, best actor. Sorry, I was distracted by the fact that I had done math badly. <laughs> I gave best actor to uh, to Rager for the scene when they are crossing the street and uh, the guy who's got no chill, right, is like that's him. That's the guy who was with your daughter, and he and he says to him, "No, it wasn't Bilar. It was Landrew." <sighs> like <laughs> matter of fact, dude, this dude, this dude is in deep. He's like, yeah, that, that guy totally raped my daughter, but... Uh, but we got some issues here we gotta de- take care of. But look, dude, it's the, eight, it's the eighth or ninth time this has happened, so... You think this is the first festival? I, yeah. I like the idea you that they... think you were here for the very first festival? They are expecting people to come to town for festival. They, from the valley. From Yeah, from the valley, and that all the hotel rooms are gonna be booked up soon for festival. Yep. So, apparently you can't have festival at home. You have to come to this city where Landry is. I think it's just on that one street. That is it. The the only street that exists in town. They they cordon it off, and that's where festival takes place. Yep. Where uh, a lady hella have... jumped on Kirk and tried to make out with him real hard. Uh, that that did happen, yeah. and it did not happen. Yeah. And Kirk did uh, did not. Um, he didn't do anything winky about it at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> he looks, it was weird. He was looks not not standard Shatner. He looks generally pretty confused about what's happening. So maybe that was good acting by Shatner. Yeah. Uh, I gave worst actor to uh, McCoy for his screaming traitors, traitors. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was under Landrew's control, but why is Landrew such a ham then? Yeah, Landrew. Been hamming it up, Landrew. Taking one acting class, Landrew, you fucking asshole. Well, we already know he's not good at stuff. Uh, Matthew, I gave this episode 21 points. That's not bad. You gave this episode 20 points. That's also not that bad. That's a total of 41 points. That was what the winner last week, uh, Arsenal of Freedom. Oh, man, that's right. That seems like so long since we watched that. I know. That's what the winner last week scored. Um, Do you think this episode deserved this high a score? I don't know. There are episodes that definitely score better than they seem. Just based on the rubric. They they come out looking okay, but when you watch them, you go, well, this wasn't very good. This episode was not very good. Well, I mean, so I'm just like... This is probably the least we've ever talked about a TOS episode. Yeah, I feel like it's because it hit every expected beat. That's right, there was just nothing unusual about it at all. It's just like, oh yeah, this is this is what Star Trek is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, if anybody wants to watch one at home that they want to see like a, a just a straight down the line TOS episode, I think it is this one. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, if it wins the week at 41 points, I don't know that I'm going to feel like that was the best episode of the week, but that's how the rubric works. That's right. That's how Voyager has a win. That's how Enterprise has two wins. It's not because those were genuinely my favorite episodes of the week, necessarily. Yeah, look, we're a slave to the, uh, the spreadsheet. That's how it works. Yep. It's out of our control. It is all Landrew's control. 
Still, 41 points is a great start to the week. By the way, you should rename the spreadsheet Landrew. Okay, You should talk about how you have to consult Landrew and update Landrew. I think that'd be a better way to do it. Okay, that's been done. All right, good. <laughs> uh, this week we also watched Symbiosis. All right. Uh, Picard and company are super jacked about seeing this star up close. This weird old star. And it's messing with their systems and shit. Because uh, it's just putting out crazy radiation. What's it's, hap- too, it's too magnetic. Yeah, super magnetic star. Whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, it's a big problem. They uh, they figure out that there's a freighter that is also in distress nearby because of the, the crazy sun. And they gotta go and try to help them. And the ship's broken, but they don't know how. Because the guys on the ship seem like they're dumb. They don't know how to fix their ship or what's wrong with it or what to do about it. Uh, After uh, some frustration, they just beam as many of the dudes on the freighter on board as they can. First, the dudes are like, oh yeah, beam us over. And then they just have their their cargo beamed over. And uh, that makes everyone real unhappy. Anyway, they beam over as many people on the freighter as they can. Turns out it's uh, a pair from one planet and a pair from another planet. And the guys from the first planet have been selling this cargo to the guys from the other planet. And this cargo is medicine. And it's super important that they have it for their planet with a terrible plague. A universal plague. Everyone on the planet has it. Every single fucking person on this planet has this plague. Um, And this other planet supplies the medicine. Um, But now there's question about ownership of this. Because the payment was destroyed along with the freighter that didn't make it out. So Picard's got to, like, work through their little dispute and figure out who's going to get this medicine or whatever. But in scanning the dudes with the plague, uh, Beverly determines that they are not sick, but they are actually addicted to drugs. And that's that's the cargo. The medicine for the plague is just drugs that everyone on this planet is addicted to. So Picard then has to decide what the shit he's going to do about this. Does it violate the Prime Directive to tell them, hey, uh, this isn't medicine, this is just drugs that you are addicted to so these people can keep selling you drugs. Um, And he decides that the Prime Directive will not allow him to spill the beans on that one. So he comes up with, like we talked about before, (laughs) some some old school wisdom (laughs) and decides that he's not going to, um, not going to fix their freighters. So they're going to have trouble transporting the medicine back and forth. But sooner or later, the trade's going to break down. Yeah, but he ain't going to tell them that they've been duped. Um... And that's how that's how we leave that nonsense. And you're right. They think they say, and we'll never know. Well, maybe <laughs> it'll work out. Who knows? <laughs> it's like, good yep. job. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, so we've, we've actually cited this episode a couple of times for how it handles, you know, the, the way two species interact. I mean, the title of the episode says it all, symbiosis. And um, and then how to, how to handle, like, a King Solomon-style problem. So, right. We've talked about this one a few different times. So what did you think this episode was about? So this is the real this is the real son of a bitch with this because this is one of those episodes that seems like it should be about something. Yeah. But it is not. Right. <laughs> because it seems like So I had two things very, too. This is a very special episode about drug use. There are definitely parts that make it seem that way. Like, let's say that there's one particular scene <laughs> that makes it seem like it's a very special episode about drug use. Uh-huh. 
But, I mean, it's not. No. No one thinks that it's good that these people are addicted to drugs. Yeah, there's no other way to... There's No one's going to come down on the other side of that one. Right. The the entire conflict is about what they're allowed to do about it. Yeah. And so, this is kind of an episode about... So, all right, just say what I have. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah, yeah. Upholding your principles in the face of evil is good. <laughs> yeah, you go. It is good. <laughs> Look. And the problem is, that's kind of a dump of a take, and I only gave it three points. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, that's what it's about, right? Like, are they going to hold to the Prime Directive? In the case of something that is genuinely very, very shitty happening. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Um, Because I'm not... So I have two... The same two subjects. Being the Prime Directive, what to do about this problem, and an exploration of addict behavior and exploitation and selling drugs and shit like that. But I couldn't come up with a take for the drug one. You're right that there's an aspect of this, and and the reason that it's not the take is because they they just don't go into it at all. So, there's a way that this episode could have gone in which it is kind of a who benefits from the drug trade and drug addiction. Mm Mm-hmm. From as uh, from you know uh, as straightforward a take as organized crime to uh, like a wacky CIA introduced crack into black neighborhoods conspiracy theory like there are a lot of right. ways that that could have gone that explored that at all but they kind of don't yeah basically what they tell us is this one planet gets by entirely on making this one drug that's right that that is their, their entire, entire economy, economy and everything that they need is supplied by the planet buying the drugs that's the payment the payment is we give you all the things you need. If you keep giving us this drug that we need to cure this terrible plague. So, yeah, they don't really... They just kind of explain that in the beginning, and we don't really get into it a lot. We do see the guys on the drugs, and their behavior and and desperation, and then, like you said, we get the cheesy scenes where people just talk openly about drug abuse and and stuff like that. Um, but there's no real take. Like, I couldn't come up with a take for that aspect of it. Just... Yeah, that's the problem. It's, there it's are people who are addicted there. to drugs. It's not a take. That's right. Um, so, you know, I initially I was going to give it a pretty high score for exploring two things, but it doesn't really. It explores one. Okay, so let me... let me. I realize what I just said, hmm. but listening to you talk about this makes me think that there's a possibility that the problem is that we watched this in 2017. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for Let's sure. walk walk back to 1988. Yeah. Could the point of this episode be, and this would just be mishandled, yeah. that addiction is a disease and not something people choose? Well, certainly these people didn't choose, right? So well, that, this is that's what they're showing us, right? These people had no choice in this scenario. And I have this in my execution as well, and I, I just you know, the fact that the Arnarans aren't aware they're addicts, that they don't. They don't just feel shitty, but they they actually believe they will die. Makes it yes. kind of a different thing. They aren't they're not, just hapless They're not addicts. stealing car stereos. Right. Right. Yeah, they're Could organized th- trade and everything. But if this episode is supposed to be a lesson as to how we should think about and treat people who are addicted to drugs, then their execution score is going to be very bad <laughs> on, right. that, on that front. <laughs> because what we learn is you just got to leave them with the drugs. 
You just gotta, oh, what can you do? They got the drugs. I can't interfere. They got drugs. We got rules that say anything we do is gonna make it worse, so... Smoker's gonna smoke, you know? (laughs) Yep. Um, yeah, so, you know, I initially, I was gonna give it bonus points like I did for, I think it was a DS9 episode that I, I think it was, maybe it was an Enterprise episode, that I felt explored multiple takes. But it really only explored the Prime Directive side of it. So I, I gave it a five. And I had, um, you know, uh, no matter how well-intentioned you are, interfering in a less developed civilization leads to disastrous results, uh, otherwise known as the Prime Directive. So that's literally the take is just the Prime Directive. So execution. Mm. On the subject of the Prime Directive. Yeah. How uh, did it do? So... Uh, by the way, another way you can tell that this is about the Prime Directive is that there are actually people who are arguing against the Prime Directive in this episode. Right. There is a conflict. They are not just like... Right. In the, on the drug one, it's it's bad that they're addicted to drugs. But on this one, it's what should we do about it? And you have the, uh, the moral compass, as I think she wants to be seen, in Crusher being like, no, we have to save these people. But then you got Picard who's got to balance How it wild would it have been if they gave that role to somebody else? based on the fact that this is Dr. Crusher's primary interaction on the show, is to come in and tell people that their rules are dumb and they should follow their hearts. Well, if that was somebody else, we wouldn't need her, I guess. Yeah, so I guess that's true. That's pretty much all she does. I mean, they could have given it to Riker. All he does in this episode is get shocked. And he has to make that face the whole time. Yeah. That's very difficult for Frakes. Uh, we get a lot of discussion about why the Arnarans do what they do, how people become addicted, and then the addiction grows deeper and deeper, and we get all the Prime Directive rundowns, so those are the two things it's about. Uh, and like I said, the fact that the Arnarans aren't aware that they're addicts makes it a little bit different. They've just been lied to. But it's not crazy subtle. I mean, you got the blonde douchebags. <laughs> oh, they're so... They're, um... They belong in a movie where they are going to destroy the local rec center. Yeah, yes. To put in condos or something. And the community has to rally around. Exactly. Like, they basically, these are the bad guys from Breaking 2. That's right. Or, you know. Yeah, I fear they should have been dressed in Whichever ski school movie has the resort's going to be destroyed or whatever. I have here, they should have been in fucking skiing attire or maybe have a sweater tied around their necks. Oh, for sure. We get it. These guys fucking suck. And the cheesy 80s drugs conversations? Mm. I mean, you couldn't mm. be more on the nose. If we've resisted... Just ex- mm. We've resisted explicitly talking about it. But Wesley just straight up is like... I don't understand. I can understand I s- what he says. I understand how this could happen to the Ornarans. Yeah. But why would anyone voluntarily <laughs> become addicted to drugs? What I have here, because I couldn't remember is... But I still don't get it. Aren't drugs bad? <laughs> uh, Why is Tasha Yar, who's from Circumstances, has to explain it's, that all they care about is getting their next dosage? It definitely was not handled with any kind of style or flair. This is, like, and, really badly done. And they don't... They don't... Um, so this is a thing that I'm noticing more and more with about the original series. Hmm is that it is a show that trusts its audience. Yes. Which seems crazy when you consider how many of Kirk's log entries are just him explaining what ha- what is happening currently. Yep. But but in plenty of other ways, the original series shows rather than tells and leaves thing ha- things half explained and trusts you to fill them in. In this scene, mm. they have they have to have 
both Wesley, who is young and naive, yeah. and Data, who is innocent, right, as part of this conversation with planet rape Tasha Yar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> That's so good. Wesley and Data get... This is a family show people are going to watch with their kids. And so uh, Wesley and Data get to, get to play the role of your kids at home. Who That's right. also want to know, aren't drugs bad? And now the woman with the weird haircut is going to explain. That's right. Hey, she's sexy, dude. It's the 80s. Have you not yeah, well, that's been 100%. paying attention? They told us a hundred times how sexy she is. They did... They did feel like the well talk about sh- tell and not show. They did say it a lot <laughs> in lot. Code of Honor. Yes. Uh. Anyway, I mean, I, I I gave it a five. I mean, it feels kind of generous, but I, I gave it a five. Yeah. Well, I get it. Um. I so the main thing that I had to say about this is. Picard finding a way to put his thumb on the scale while working within the letter of the law. Yeah, yeah. Is really anti-Star Trek. Yeah. Like, if he truly believed in the Prime Directive, he wouldn't do that. But at the same time, I did kind of like... Yeah, everyone loves the wisdom of Solomon end of this episode. Yeah, and just the fact that it it it, circ- it circumvented what I thought would be the traditional end of that, which is that he would... He would bow out entirely per per the prime directive, right? Um, I guess that the, the competing ideology, and this is something they don't really get into with the prime directive. They show it, but they never talk about it. Is there's something about dogmatically following a rule that is also sort of anti Star Trek? Yeah, in the sense that it assumes that we can't do we can't do better in an individual circumstance by appealing to our own reason and understanding right? than just following whatever the rule says, right? Yeah, and I think, I don't know if we've already seen the episode or not, but there's an episode where Picard just straight up explains that it is there so that we do not have to make the decision. That yeah. It, it literally is there so that they don't have a situation where somebody judges incorrectly. The Federation, the Prime Directive protects them, he yes. will say clearly. And it, yes, which is uh, which is shitty, and that's why yeah. I think we haven't hit it yet. Yeah, it's shitty. Um, I give it four points for execution. Okay. So, through the top half, I've given it seven, you've given it ten. Uh, it's, it's doing worse than TOS this week, for sure. Yeah. Um, ben also gave it seven in the top half, with a four for the take of don't do drugs. Again, we talked about why that's not what this episode's about. Yeah. I mean, and, there's a uh, lot of drug talk, but it's... Oh, just, they talk about it a ton. Yeah. We should talk about this, because at the very top of Ben's email this week, he says, I don't think I really pay enough attention to do really good takes. <laughs> and then he says, oh, well. Yeah, I mean, you do have to pay attention, because the idea isn't even just what is the episode about, it is what oh, are they trying... this episode is about drugs. Yeah, what are they but... trying to get us to walk away with? What is the right. story, the way it is constructed, and the way they wrote it, and the way they made the dialogue, what are we supposed to be taking away from this? Because if, if you're writing a sci-fi show, and it, there is no takeaway... It's not sci-fi You're writing anymore. Star Wars, right? Right, it's a space opera. Yeah, you're just, things are blowing up, and people are dying, and, and stuff like that, but... 
what what are they going for? What are we supposed to walk away with? So it yeah. might yes, drugs all over this episode, but I don't think we were supposed to necessarily walk away with anything more complicated than what he came up with, which is don't do drugs. And he gave it a three for execution, saying that he thinks even in the late eighties this was a pretty tired message. Probably. And that it was very preachy. <laughs> That's and true. And well, any episode where Doctor Crusher's talking a lot is gen- i mean that's almost always a preachy episode there is one exception mm. but that's when she's getting fucked by a candle and it is very hard to watch it's very difficult that one we may have to drink in order to do that she's one. fucking there's orgasms you have to look at them i don't want to look mm-hmm. at her orgasms oh also it's her grandmother's sex candle Ugh, and she's been reading her grandmother's sex diary it's not and getting pretty turned on it by is it. so whore up okay all right, well, let's talk about that in 50 years. Yep, luckily that's really far from now. <laughs> but we can talk about Duncan Rager again when it happens. Good. <laughs> so, not an amazing top half. No, no, um, no. And that brings us to world building. Mm. Is there any world building? Yeah, look at this. Check this one out. Uh, an idea of what kinds of announcements Picard might make based on <laughs> mission parameters and yellow yep. alert procedures. He is the very, best. That's he, the best part of the episode, and it's the opening thirty seconds. He, they are all. So, everyone is really pumped to see this star. They are organized. They are prepared. Picard makes his announcements. Like this is the mission. We are out here to look at this star. This is going to be amazing. And then we got all this other shit that gets in the way. Uh, they got that fancy view screen option for looking at the sun, where it eclipses the sun. Yep. They got some eclipse glasses for the. For some reason, that's not the way it is. Like, Data just throws it on the screen without that. Where he just throws the sun on the screen and it blinds everybody. You should probably start with that turned on. That also doesn't make any sense, by the way, because why would the view screen ever be programmed to be bright enough to hurt people's eyes? And I will also predict it is never programmed to do that again. That is correct. It will never do that again. (laughs) It's not a window, like... Yeah, I mean, you your just have Jordan go look out the window. Can't blind if you, want. you, no matter. You, you can put a picture of the sun on your computer monitor; it will not blind you. Yeah, it might be uncomfortably bright, but it will not blind you. It cannot be any whiter than a blank white page. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, this dude's got lightning hands. Oh, they do have lightning hands. By the way, it doesn't matter because we'll never see these guys again. Me- meaningless. What does yes, it have to do with the story? Nothing, no. right? Okay. Oh, it's there for one scene. Yeah, it's so that the guy can, like, hold Riker hostage. But, like, really? That Really? Okay. Yeah, and this this is to show his desperation, but also that he's uh, he's a good man at heart. Because he won't kill Riker. Because Picard's just going to say, no, you're not a killer. And then he's going to back down. Yeah. Uh, hey, this biofilter. <laughs> it's a shitty plot device that, as we've discussed, is only mentioned when it breaks. Yep. In this case, they have so little confidence in it, they don't even check its results. That's right. Picard goes, well, well what about the biofilter? And Riker goes, don't worry about it. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's, don't, well, we're, we're not even going to check. Not important. Riker should have done a jack-off motion. <laughs> yeah, like, I love that in the biofilter. show. In the show, they're like, Who, yeah, no, I didn't check it. Why should I? It's stupid. Uh, let's see. Obviously, everything about these two planets and their interactions probably not going to come up again after this episode. Um, the Prime Directive is hard. Is it really against... I just have this in world building because we get a little bit more insight into it. You know, is it really against the Prime Directive to just let those guys know they've been duped? Like, it's such a quick and easy thing to do, but the the societal impact would be so crazy large on both societies. 
So right. even just whispering, follow the money over and over again wouldn't be okay. <laughs> right. Though Crusher does kind of she do does. that. She does try to do it. She tries to say, follow the money. Luckily, she does it so badly that <laughs> the only reason I know that she did it is because I know that she knows that it's just drugs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there are uh, other solutions. I think she may even just say other options. There are other options. What does that mean? <laughs> it means nothing. <laughs> You're right. She does not say follow the money. Um, boy, I give it a. I'm gonna give it a three. I gave it a four, but I'm down. I'm downgrading it to a three. Three based on the Prime Directive stuff, which isn't really new. It just sort of fleshes it out a little bit. Well, you're not gonna get any argument from me because I only gave it a two. Ouch. There's um all of that business with the precautionary yellow alert from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Again, that's the best part of the episode. <laughs> uh, transporter interlocks where they hook two transporter systems together. Oh yeah, I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. that we'd seen that before. Uh, cargo bay eleven. So we know there are twenty transporter rooms and at least eleven cargo bays on this ship. What is the mission of this ship? What's it for? What does it do? Why does it need 20 transporter rooms and 11 cargo bays, at least? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, after they have their little biofilter discussion, Picard calls for a med alert. Mm, it's like a red alert, but different. Yeah, it's a bracelet that you wear so that the EMTs <laughs> know you have diabetes. That's right. Uh, navigation coils for old freighters look like decorative lamps. Good to know. Uh, now I will recognize them when I see them at, like, um, <laughs> antique stores and stuff. There is actually something there in that there must be something like a common freighter design. Because the Enterprise has a coil just in its stores. Yeah. And, by the way, they seem to indicate that they can produce more. So I don't know if they're replicating. Yeah. I guess they're probably replicating them. But, but they, when they when they look at this freighter, they're like, oh, yeah, it's one of those. Right. So did the Ornarans build it? Because that's definitely the implication, right? They're the technologically advanced species. Right. <clears throat> so how do they have that same freighter design that everybody has? So why do they have the plans for it? Uh, maybe Sweden sold it to them. I mean, this is what happened, right? Yeah. Is that they bought it from... The Euridians or, or the whoever. the Zabalians or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's being produced locally, and they call it a different thing, but it's really just an F-16. It's like, exactly correct. It's like when India builds an SU-35 or whatever, and they, right. they just call it whatever they call it. Um. So there's something... Shit, I'm going to have to give it an extra point. I'm giving it a three, <laughs> because it does, there is some... There's a, a couple of little things in this episode right. that suggest... Something about... The way the fucking interstellar trade works. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I agree. You know what? Well, mine to a four, then. Oh, God. I, I like mine as much as a four now. Well, four was your original score for it, yep. so... We're back. <laughs> We're back like Sulu, dude. Uh, characterization. Go for it. Everyone on the Enterprise is so unaccustomed to incompetence... Yeah, yes. ...that they can barely contain their anger. Yep. What a fucking paradise Earth has become. This is what I have in, all over my characterization, too. Because <laughs> we get to see everybody really mad at these guys. Yeah, well, look, these guys are the pack leads. Yep, I have that, too. <laughs> they prefigure the pack leads pretty heavily. Uh-huh. He doesn't know what's wrong with their ship. The computer's not working so good. Right. When Picard asks if anyone on the ship can fix it, he says, well, hold, hold on, I'll ask. <laughs> Let me check. 
and everybody is fucking at their limit on the bridge. Yeah, what I like about Data, this, who just gives uh, hella suspicious looks all the time. What I like he's about, got no emotions, but he knows how to look cynical. He's been programmed to look cynical. Um, what I like about this is there are certain characters that, f- since the first episode, have had trouble controlling their face. Uh, but in this episode, nobody can control their face. Yeah, they cannot keep it cool about this even for a second. Yeah. Um, I thought that uh, angry self-righteous Beverly and calm self-righteous Picard are both very on character. Yeah, I think so too. This is exactly how you would expect this to go. Um, Riker is continuing his role on the show and he's got one, at least one more star performance. Oh, you know what? I can think of two more in this season. Somehow at the end of this season, he has just become a pincushion. Yeah. In Arsenal of Freedom, he's just fucking encased in an energy field uh-huh in this episode he the guy Zach. shoots energy into his chest and he just stands still while something bad happens to him yep <clears throat> in an upcoming week and i won't say which he's gonna get sucked into some fucking tar data something's got me <laughs> and then not too long after that an old man's gonna kick the shit out of him really go roundhouse all over his fucking ass dude so in the first half of this season this guy is uh, on the ball constantly and quoting Sun Tzu. Yeah. In the second half of the season, he's the guy that the bad thing happens to. Well, you know how a lot of the time writers start to incorporate things about the real life actor <laughs> into the character and it starts yep. to become kind of an amalgam and then eventually just becomes the actor. Um, is, this is going to happen particularly to Frakes and, uh, and Marina Sirtis in this show, I believe. That is correct. I think it did not take them long to figure out that while Riker is on the ball, Freaks is not. Freaks is very much not on the ball, and we're not enjoying his work on this show, so we should probably do some other stuff with him that does not yep. involve him saving the day. <laughs> yep. He's gonna stop saving the day, that's for sure. Yeah. And when, the times that he does, it is with very obvious, like, people reciting his wonderful record and how he used to be, like, the champion of everything. Yep. And how he can be again if he... If he gets his shit together or whatever. And this is going to happen to Troy, too. And we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. That we forget how, like, competent and professional Troy is in season one. Because later on, she's a fucking doofus. How she fucking solves problems and gives useful information and insight. Mm-hmm. Because she's just going to be roaming the halls not using the Troy accent anymore. <laughs> yep. Just talking like Marina Sear just talks in real life. <laughs> Yep. And just eating chocolate. Yep, eating chocolate and complaining about stuff. That's gonna yep. be it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else? We see wise, tormented Yar. Mm-hmm. That's... Let's hope that continues, right? Oh, yeah. That's a good portrayal. I saw the Netflix and, uh, teaser for what's next. <laughs> this might actually be the last episode where Jordy has the con. I thought it was previously. Oh, okay. But he does take the con while they're all in the conference room. It's not the same thing, but it's... He's still clearly the go-to guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, he got it done last week, man. I gave it a five for characterization, mostly because everybody was pretty on point. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, (laughs) a lot of my characterization is from that opening series of scenes where they're dealing with these dudes when they're still on the freighter. Picard does a lot of Spock-style mugging. Yes. During this conversation with these crackheads, and he raises an eyebrow a couple of times. I gotta admit, I kind of liked it. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, 
later, like by the uh, the end of the episode when Picard and, and Crusher confront the blonde douches, you can tell Picard has been waiting to have his Agatha Christie moment where he can gather everyone in the parlor and fucking explain the entire wicked plan. <laughs> he fucking relishes it. Yeah, he does He does love summoning them to the accusing parlor. <laughs> he goes off on these blonde douches, tells them their entire plan, with Beverly kind of uh, aping the stuff that he's saying. Uh, you could tell there was a lot of personal satisfaction for the character, Picard, there. Um, I thought the scene where Picard has to give them some tough love, and he refuses to help fix their ships... And afterward, where he's clearly very affected, and he tells Jordy he doesn't even particularly care where they go next, just to go somewhere away. Yep. I thought that was pretty effective, because you can tell, he, he's not into the decision that he made. I, I did too, and it, I brought it up in quick hitters, but I, I really liked Jordy immediately picks a place. Yeah. And when they ask why, it's because Curious they've never been there. dog. Yeah, no, that show is... Uh... The, the beginning scene and the ending scene are the best part of this episode, for sure. Yeah, Again, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, oh, this stuff's all really good, and then these fucking idiots showed up in their freighter and the whole thing went to shit. Yep. Um, well, th- if you think about this now, like, run this through your Picard or whatever. Mm. You're here to do some neat science. I know, you're so pumped. And then you gotta deal with this bullshit. And for no other reason than you are in physical possession of this dumb cargo. Yep, they they instantly go to him and they're like, "No, it's ours! No, it's ours!" And he's like, "Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me!" Like, oh my god, super not my responsibility. He's he's pumped to get out of there because this was the worst two days of his month, at least, <laughs> right? right? Like, yeah, he's ready to move. He's like dead serious, and he's like, "I honestly do not care where we go." And by the he way, enjoyed, he enjoyed writing the report for what happened with the Arsenal of Freedom. That's right. That was an adventure, dude. They got to come that back was, and tell stories. was cool shit. The saucer was separated. Yeah, dude. He got to know Dr. Crusher down in that cave. He'll probably put it in his log. I mean, it's Wesley's mom, so... That's gonna go in the logs, for sure. It's a mention based on that alone. <laughs> now he's gotta write this story about how something real shitty's happening on this planet, and he just has to let it happen. Yep. Because you're dumb rules. And also he had to disappoint the other guys because they were looking right at the coils and he's like, you can't have those coils. Those coils, they, uh, no. We're gonna keep those. (laughs) Yeah, so I I thought that was good. Um, Let's see. Uh, Riker, just looking pissed as hell at these dudes. As usual, cannot control his damn face. I know this show um, has had the worst dialogue monsters. Mm Mm-hmm. But I totally bought Riker cutting himself off in the transporter room and going, you know what, just lock onto whatever life forms you can. Yes. Because he's starting to like try to give the guys on the freighter more instructions, and at this yep. point he's like, no, 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 no. You know what, it was, never It was going to take two minutes, and they got ten <laughs> seconds left at best, so let's get out of here. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, Yar is also hella put out by these dudes in the transporter room. Hey, yep. what's, what's up with her one-liners in this episode? She does shoot a few one-liners in this one. Behave yourselves, gentlemen. Oh, well, if you're going to cut right to it, yes, I did give her best actor this week. <laughs> nice, good job. For behave yourselves, gentlemen. What was it, though? Why? Why is she allowed to talk? Yeah. Um, hey, Tasha. Let me ask you a question real fast. What is the Federation? <laughs> It really sounds like she knows this drug stuff from experience on her hell planet. Uh-huh. 
Why was that allowed? But why was that planet... Why did that happen? The planet had rape gangs. Clearly shit was not going well there. What is that planet, and how does it fit into the Federation? <laughs> and it just gets worse when we see it. Yep. Uh, oh, spoiler alert, we will eventually visit Tashiar's home planet. That's right. Even the usually patient Troy is making faces at these dudes in scene one. But she is not in much of the rest of the episode. Yeah, she's really not in it. Maybe because... Maybe because she could have figured it out earlier, like too early for the plot. That's right. Yeah, she gives a few suspicious looks and then she's out of the episode. Yep. Uh, Crusher, crazy mad at the douchers after she sees the dudes take the drugs. She just walks into Picard's office mid-rant. Yep. Doesn't even say like, hey, what's up, big boy? She just It's is, not the first time. Yeah, she's just in it. Wesley gets to have the after-school special conversation with Yara and Data. Jordy gets to be curious. Mm-hmm. Um, really liked Picard and a few specific things. Um, everybody else is kind of average. Uh, I give it a six. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, okay, so... A quick hitters. Yeah, go. Here is an episode where it would have made a lot of sense for the Enterprise to have a chief engineer. How did they think they were going to run this show without one? I don't... Without a chief engineer as part of the cast? Was it just that they looked back at TOS and Scotty didn't get that much play? And they I went, guess. not really important, I guess. You don't need to have one. All the action's going to be on the bridge, so why do we... But then, like, then they had to write in having these chief engineers, and they kept having to write in a new one, and then they went, uh, yeah, I guess we do need one. I don't yeah. know. Well, just And then we'll just make Jordy the chief engineer. Right. Because he's the one we're turning to every time we need someone to do an engineering thing. Yes, which is often what I'm trying to figure out how these junior officer assignments work. Because he is obviously very technical. He keeps getting involved in a lot of the shit. But he... I mean, hell, dude, in one of the first episodes in the last outpost, he's down there in engineering with Riker coming up with this plan. You don't even see any other staff around. Yep. So. And yet, when... They're going to have a thing at some point where Picard says, one of our chief engineers. Yeah. And it's like, and we've seen several. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense that they thought they wouldn't need one. Anyway, uh, here's another here's another thing that relates to why I gave this an extra point for world building. Um, how does Worf know the freighter is very old? Again, it is obviously a recognizable model. Yep. Yep. That's that's why I f- there's more than just one thing. Yeah. Hey, um, <clears throat> sanction. Yeah. It's a real weird name for a freighter. Yes, it is. Did they used to have a very different relationship with the Breckians? <laughs> I, I guess, I'm guessing they might have. Do you know what I mean? Like, was Sanction a gunboat or like a monitor or something? Yeah. But now it's a freighter because they're all addicted to drugs and they don't have a military anymore. Yeah, I mean, that could be. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so thinking, the- ship names have... The next time we see a freighter that's got a name, the name will be the Erstwhile. Oh, and God. And will describe its captain. Great. Oh, I'm so excited. That's Why can't that be season seven? Why does that got to be season two? Oh, you don't like that one? I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to have a lot to say about it. I've got a ton to say about that episode. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was a kid, mm. when we watched these the first time, I did not immediately read Stoner for these guys. Yeah. But, boy, they were sure playing it, huh? Yeah, you got more experience now. Yeah, now I have an idea what they're doing. They, and, and until the point where they're in withdrawal, 
they are yes. playing stoner. Then they when they yes. hit the withdrawals, it's a real on the nose fucking crackhead shit going down. How much better would to John have been if he was played by Norm Macdonald. I say that because he there's a couple of Norm Macdonald deliveries that come out of his mouth. Well, he's got kind of a, a little nasally voice. I just wish it was Norm Macdonald all the way through. And maybe the guy complains that he has a tummy ache? Maybe if he would complain he had a tummy ache and that's why he didn't want to rehearse. <laughs> uh, Denise Crosby just tapping a part of the transporter panel where there are no buttons. It's like... I. We've seen that every before. time. We've seen that before. Just sit down and start tapping away. Who cares what's there? It's just it's every time and it's every actor. And I just have to assume that they asked somebody, a director or an AD, well, so what should I push? And they just said, "Fuck you." That's <laughs> right. Yep. Like no other answer could explain this behavior. Because you're right because they are uh, just throwing it in everyone's face that they are not doing anything on that panel. Yep. Like, now everyone is used to working at touchscreen. I think people would make more of an effort. Yeah, you'd uh, you'd have some delicate little taps. Because we all know but with real touchscreens, if you do anything even slightly wrong, you fucked up everything. That's right. Uh, and, boy, there are, and I, I think I've pointed out before, and I will continue to point it out because I notice it every time. Whenever you have an extra who fucking really pushes on one of the panels so you can see it bend, I see it every time. Like... <laughs> What are you doing? You're not ordering at Arby's. The high def has given you lots of good, good pieces of information. I love this high def. The high def is you're you're really enjoying it. I really am. Um, Picard calls down to the transport room to ask if they got the the Ornarns. Yep. And Riker answers him, and then immediately starts talking to the Ornarns. How did the computer know he was done talking to Picard? I always want to know. Stop doing that. That is one of those questions you can't ask. How does the computer know when it is being addressed? Is one of the questions that you can't ask. Add that to the list. Okay. (laughs) Because all the time the computer knows when it's being talked to and when it's not. They don't have to say computer. They just say a thing and the computer will answer except when the plot dictates that it does not. So they treat us to a walk and talk between Riker and Yar. Mm, It was glorious. About the Ornarans' electrical powers, how it might be related to their son, Mm -hmm. their super active son. That it's a hard weapon to defend against because you can't confiscate it, etc. It's very bad. It's a very bad walk and talk. Uh, Nothing they say makes sense, but it's not. Uh, so I, I literally wrote, is this discussion of electrical powers the worst walk and talk in TNG? But then I remembered the one from 11001001. I don't know why you say the that The binars seem perfect for this. I don't know why you say it was bad. I've considered that one of the best moments of this entire project so far. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it gave me so much joy. The binars seem perfect for this. Even though this is the first time I've ever encountered them. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> uh, Picard. Picard immediately mispronounces to John as to John. Good, good. Um, these are Narns. They they could really teach Garrett Wang about acting impaired. When they are uh when they have their plague symptoms, when they're in withdrawal. Yeah. So much better. So much better than him. Well, he is the worst. Uh, that that is the low bar, and it is the bar that we sometimes compare people to is Garrett Wang with a headache. Now I realize that some AD just maced them three minutes before they called action, and that's why their eyes are so red and watery and horrible looking. But they're still doing a much better job of it. Maybe people should be macing Garrett Wang. Maybe today we should still be macing him. 
I think so. If you see him out there, everybody, please everybody mace just him. hit him with a little mace. Yeah. Um, I thought Tajon is a good captain because he makes sure Romas gets his heroin first. He's he's yes. Again, these guys are he's not, doing his best. These guys are not bad guys, and they're not like your typical drug addicts. They're just not smart. They're not very smart. Uh, this is a gross question, but I really want you to think about it. Okay. Okay. Do you think if Yar hadn't been called on the phone at the end of her drugs or bad speech, she would have fucked Wesley? Because her reaction, like, she only has two emotions, nothing and horniness. Yeah, I was going to say. And this speech about her past, I feel like, was verging on some some emotion. Yeah, I, um, we, if we have seen that weird things get her get her motor running. Maybe just like someone saying it's okay to cry. So yeah, maybe asking about drugs was all it all it took to get her really <clears throat> in in it wet. Yep. I just thought it was like a there's a legit threat. Or maybe maybe Data again he was right there. Yeah, well I would hope that if she tried to sex Wesley that Data or Worf would defend him. Yeah. I've- Defend is the right word. From being molested like that. After his innocent question about drugs, he is not prepared for... Oh, no. The wild thing? Hell no, dude. Well, first of all, he ain't ready for the wild thing. But even if you were ready for the wild thing, you're probably not ready for it with Yar. She's carrying baggage. A lot of it. I bet her tastes are unconventional. That is also I just have a theory. (laughs) That's my guess as well. Um, Finally, uh, I noticed watching this episode, and I will look, look out for it from now till the end of time. Frakes is getting a little thin on top. You showed me the picture. I took a, I took a, a picture with my phone of the computer because it won't let me take a screenshot of Netflix. Um, yes, it is true. He does appear to be on the verge of monk diming it. Yeah, he's about to start monk diming. And then he's we'd never notice. One it. of the tallest members of the cast, so you never see the top of his head. Yep. So I, but all I'm gonna keep watching. Yeah, in the high def, really, it's just like. All kinds of things that we've never noticed before. Figuring mm-hmm. out. Everything about everyone's uniform and costume, I notice now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. even I am starting to pick stuff up. I had some complaints about Wesley's sweater not that long ago that were that I did not anticipate having. So, Yep. Um, I'm sure you had some quick hitters. Oh, yeah, dog. Uh, like I said, you'd think they could mask out the photosphere before throwing it up on the view screen. That'd be yeah. a good idea. Um. If you put me in Wesley's position when that panel gets all glowy in the beginning, because of the because of the gravity, mm-hmm. what you hear instead is "Oh shit, son!" <laughs> as the panel starts to light up, because that's what I did in my living room when I was watching it. <laughs> he settles for a really nice "Wow." Yep. Um. Why did the sensors suck? They that gotta a like question. hump that star in order to like scan it with the sensors. They're like, no, get closer, keep getting closer. Despite the fact that it's in the middle of an extremely violent phase where it's throwing radiation like crazy, yeah. they gotta get real close to see that radiation. The initial scene here before they run into that freighter is just them struggling to get closer and closer and closer to that star to use the sensors. Uh, these guys are definitely the drug-addled version of the Pac-Leds. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm glad the Khan knows not to take Picard's orders literally, because he's always ordering intercept or intersect, and I just thank God they don't fly into anybody. <laughs> That's a good point. At any point, because he doesn't give specific commands. 
Yeah, they're not going to fly into anybody until the Bozeman. That's right. That's a real problem. And then not again until Nemesis. So. Yeah. That's that. That's not. And that one's intentional. So. Yeah. You know. Uh, they're like you said. They're so used to dealing with each other and other professional aliens, I guess, because they have no idea how to cope with these losers. They just yeah. They have no skills. No skills for this at all. Lose their shit. Um, when Yar's trying to interconnect with the transporters, and the guy goes, "Huh, I didn't know you could do that." I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I also didn't know. But Yar makes it look like uh, she looks. She gives a look like what a fucking idiot. And then I got embarrassed and defensive, and I yelled at the TV for a while while the Google Express delivery person interrupted me <laughs> by delivering like fifty <laughs> cases of fizzy water. <laughs> but I was very upset with Yar for trying to make me look stupid because they never said you could do that with the transporters. Hey, here's this is um, not the first time we've seen Yar be the transporter operator of choice. Yep. Why isn't it Jordy? Mm. He's the engineer. Yeah. I don't know. They're, they're, they're sending someone from the bridge. Didn't we get the idea one of the times it happened that Yar maybe didn't understand the order correctly? It well, just I went think down I said, there. I think I maybe said that two <laughs> weeks ago or whatever. Like, hey, he just told her to go to the transporter room. No one told her to operate the transporter. Maybe now she thinks that's part of her job description. Yep. <laughs> Um, let's see, yeah, easy to tell the blonde douchebags are the bad guys. Very clumsy walk and talk with Riker and Yar, and the corridors looked weird even. They looked kind of, like, unfinished. It's not, there's not, the corridors, this is not a real set, right? There's, like, one corridor. Yeah. So this is a difficult shot. It made it seem like they tacked it on at the end because these guys had electric powers. And And they had to, like... We should talk about this, right? (laughs) Yeah, they had to tie it in more than just the guy uses electric powers on Riker. So unnecessary. Ugh. But it's like, this is it's work to do this shot, because they've got to restage the corridor over and over again, so it looks like they're walking through different parts of the ship, and yeah. it's the same set, so you know it must take a long time to shoot that walk and talk. It also seemed like and hard work... for what? I know. It also seemed like hard work for the actors, who almost run into every extra in the scene. Yep. They barely miss running into everybody. Well, they're so excited to talk about the potential security threat that these dum-dums face... Posed to the ship. Somebody did not know what people talk about when they are together. They thought this is how people talk. Um, the fun position of having to tell people you're withholding a life-saving medicine <laughs> so that you don't have to admit that you hooked an entire planet on drugs so you can keep selling it to them. Yep. These blonde douches really backed themselves into a corner on that one. They're like, oh no, we're just assholes. Just assholes who were like, uh, no, we can't have the medicine. Because if we we can't admit that it's it's, it's drugs. Uh, this is a very 80s sci-fi idea. What would happen if an entire civilization went through withdrawals all, all at the same time? Yeah, for sure. They talk to the guy on the planet, and he's like, We need the medicine! Oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy was very nearly my worst actor. And I know I haven't given my... I talked about my best actor, but he's... I feel so... How did this guy become president? We need, we need the medicine, guys. He must be a totally different guy after he gets his heroin. Yeah. Because this guy is unelectable. Yeah. He did not seem very presidential. That's for He's sure. gonna... I mean, he's gonna cry. He was about to cry. Yes, he was. Here's what Riker said with his mouth. My insides are still shaking. Is this an expression? <laughs> yep. Is it an expression to have your insides shake? Because I've never heard that one. How glad are you that Data wasn't in the scene where 
Picard and Crusher go to visit the guys and they're like, uh, we've decided to let them have the medicine. And Picard says, there goes the other shoe. That's right. Data would have absolutely wanted to know what that meant. Yep, for sure. We would have had to do some thesaurus work there. Would have interrupted Picard's mojo. Uh, MVP Picard. Not only did I uh, enjoy his character a lot in this episode, but he he walked that hard line, made the tough calls, and uh, you got the sense in this episode that he's kind of the compass. That everyone has to bounce their ethical questions off of him. So that'll be uh, useful for later episodes, I think. Uh, I already said I gave uh, Best Actor to Behave Yourselves, Gentlemen, Yar. Mm -hmm. I gave Worst Actor in this to Exploitation, Pure and Simple, Crusher. (laughs) She is, she is, and by the way, when you said she's on character, it's in absolutely the worst sense. Oh, yeah. The things that we do not like about her character. Yeah, but it's not a departure. Yeah. This is exactly how she will continue to be every time there's a whiff of a ethical issue on the ship. Yep. I wonder if they set her up that way because her and Picard have that sexual tension. I guess. So to have her always be in this face talking about uh, whatever issue issue there is. Right, she's not just a yes man who wants special pants time with him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, she'll challenge him. So uh, how did this thing do on maths? Mathematically, I gave it 15 points. Okay, that's not great for TNG. No, you gave it 20. Okay. Uh, That adds up to 35. Its average uh, coming into this week was 35.85, so really this is a sort of middle of the road uh, for TNG. Yeah. It also puts it six points behind Archons for the week, so... Oh, boy. uh, TOS is still leading the charge. Oh, no. Um, But we did watch three more shows this week. I know it doesn't seem like it could possibly be true because we did just talk about symbiosis for... An hour? mm, 50 minutes. Yeah. But we watched... um, We also watched... The Circle. As uh, This is a continuation from last week. Mm-hmm. As Bajor heads towards Civil War, Major Kira undertakes a spiritual journey until she's kidnapped by the Circle. Yeah. Who it turns out is led by Minister Jaro. Uh, Frank Langella? That is Frank Langella. Yeah. Uh, Cisco leads a rescue mission to get her back. Entirely on his own authority. As always. But Minister Jaro has already acted to cut Bajor off. And then Sisko is ordered to evacuate the space station, but insinuates that he means to stay behind to be continued. Also, Kira falls in love with Vedic Barile. Why did you do that? I mean, we'll get into it, but why did she uh, fall in love with him? She saw she she uh, saw an orb. Yeah, she did. And in the orb, he put his naked chest against her naked back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They handled the sex in the way that you, you just... The only good way to handle it. This is a Star Trek idea, by the way. It will come up again, or... I don't know, I'm trying to think chronologically. It may have already happened. No, I think this yeah. is... Yeah, this well, is... We're, actually, we're running in sort of the same time. It's close, the but I- this is early in this season, and that's later in its season. The The idea that you can see a version of an alternate reality where you have a relationship with someone and it kind of puts the thought in your head. And you just go, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to do go, that. Huh, I wonder if I should make that happen. I'm going to pursue I, it. 
I am pretty horny. Wait, you mean in this alternate timeline, me and Troy were like really knocking boots? We were well, okay then. Full, we were fully married. Okay, okay. I'm gonna ask yeah, her out right. as soon as I get back. All right, I'm gonna have one awkward conversation with Riker about it, and then it's on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, five episodes later or whatever. But. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, yeah, I don't okay. know. Should I go into more detail? No, There's... I mean that's the, those are the main points. I mean, we so should, we, we're still dealing with what's his name, Lee Nollis. He's still around from last episode. Yeah, he's, he's still trying to figure out his place, etc. Although he comes, he, I think he decides he's Cisco's man pretty early. Yeah, the I I agree. Um, yeah, I mean those are the main points. It's the middle of a three part episode, so it's we're we, we have enough trouble trying to figure out how exactly to judge cliffhangers but and this is a three-part arc so it's like we're, we're just gonna have to figure this out as we go yeah um this take um they didn't continue with the take at least the take that i had from last time which was about lee Nollis's journey about uh whether a symbol is more important than a, a real the truth or whatever is the is a a powerful symbol more important than the truth or whatever we said last time yeah it's really not uh, followed on from that at all. Yeah. You could... The plot continues, maybe, but it's a different story. Could you maybe... Now, and here's... So there's a there's a big, 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 big problem with this episode, which we'll get to in execution. But so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I have, much like one of the episodes uh, in season one, I think it's about how the weak and foolish are always going to be used by the strong and, and clever to take power. So, kind of like... Towards the end of last season, there was one um, where we... Basically, the take was politicians, dog. What you going to do right. about politicians? Yep. And this is a little bit different. What you've got is you've got Minister Jaro and Vedic Wynn trying to manipulate the masses with anti anti alien hysteria. Meanwhile, they're being manipulated and used by the Cardassians for their own purpose. And they're all using propaganda and spin to to kind of trick weak and helpless into giving them power essentially so it's that's that's what i've got i mean it's it's i think an important thing to talk about but i'm not sure there's another side to it like anyone's gonna go and that is the right thing to do it's like yeah okay the weak and the weak are preyed upon by the strong i get it i I give it a four Okay. Do you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like where I was going with that? It's kind of hard to put into like a solid take. I do. I, I think that the problem is that we still don't really know. Like, I guess the presumption is that the Cardassians want the Federation gone so that they can retake Bajor. Yes, they want the Bajorans to be at each other's throats, and they want the Federation to be kicked out. Which is fine. Except why did they leave Bajor? Yeah, we're never really clear on what this Vietnam situation was that made them exactly ditch in the first place. Um, and also, the Cardassians don't appear to be using anything like the same methods that Jaro and Wynn are using. Yeah, I mean, I think they're using... They're just doing a straight deception. I think they're using Jaro and Wynn. Right. I think they're just... They they are happy to uh, empower those two to cause a civil war or kick out the Federation or both. Yeah, uh, I, I really struggled. 
um, with a take for this one. Yes. You know, I just had don't trust politicians, and that's just a two. That's just nothing. Yeah. And that's what I gave it. Yeah, it's um, it's the middle of a three-parter, and it, it really just gets the plot along. So let's just jump right into execution, because the, uh, there's a big, big problem with this episode, and that is... What is the Federation doing that Jaro can seize on? Right. Like, I wish we had seen some evidence of Federation decisions or policy ruffling Bajoran feathers in any way. Like, we don't even know what Jaro is is saying. He, we don't even get to see him give a speech or explain how the Federation is just as bad as the Cardassians. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think all we get is the Circle doesn't like people who aren't Bajoran because they've been told to, but we never really get a lot of... What's the what, meat what is he it? saying? What's the conflict that's happening, right? Yeah. Um, also, I had to deduct two points because they did give me a sex dream. Yeah, they did. They did put so, a sex dream in here. Say you gotta have two characters getting intimate, but it's on. it's gonna be syndicated, so you can't show any bits or whatever. Why is the choice that they make the super awkward naked back hug? Yeah, it's a real it's a real good question. It's not only is it stupid looking, it looks lame. But like you don't just don't show them naked. Yep. You know, like if you're worried about it, you could show them under some covers, you could have them be fully clothed and just embracing or you know what I mean like you could just have her waking up next to him in bed in this sure. vision, or they're talking in bed or something, right? Like, all you need to all you need to show is that they're lovers, because that's going to plant the suggestion in her mind, or whatever the prophets are trying to do with this. And also, it's not clear. When we see Cisco interact with the prophets, yeah. they take the form of people he knows, but they are presumably the actual prophets. That is how it seems, yes. It's not so clear that that's what happens with these orbs. Yeah, they call this one, what is this, the Orb of Prophecy or whatever? Prophecy and Change. Yeah. If if that is what's happening, though... She had sex with a prophet? That was just a prophet snuggling up to her. Yeah. And now she's going to go put that on the real person? But he saw it, too. He she he didn't say what happened, but he said she was in his last interaction with that same orb. And he acts real pervy. He stares at her. Oh, he does. He's into it. Yeah, he's... He's into yeah, it for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that one is maybe not you're interacting with the prophets so much as they're giving you a little, a little, little peek. Sh- yeah, a little peek into what's going to happen. But then why did the why did they have Dax dressed as a Vedic? Mm-hmm. Well, tune in next week and find out. Okay, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Is that part of the prophecy? Any, uh, uh, anyway, I gave it four points for execution. Ouch. Okay, you say so you didn't. That, it, like I said, it got a two-point deduction for the sex dream. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Vedequin used religion last season. This season, she and Jaro use, you know, the circle, whatever, to make people scared of the Federation, as would-be dictators on, on Bajor. The Cardassians use the squabbling Bajorans to get back into power. At least, I, I, we assume that's the end game. I think they're just showing how the strong manipulate the weak for their own gains, right? I got that. I think this episode actually shines in general execution. I liked the pacing. There was a lot of action, some good dialogue, good use of extra characters. 
Like the Frank Langellas and the Lee Nollises, whatever. I don't know that actor's name, and I never will. It's the middle of a three-parter, but it didn't feel like it was sacrificing any of the momentum to save up for episode three. I feel like it right. was... They were they were moving along pretty good, and I enjoyed the pacing in part one, too. So I feel like they fought this one out. It has, like, no real sci-fi aspect to it, but I thought the general execution was good. Um, So I gave it an eight. Okay. I didn't deduct any points for this extra, even though I thought it was... It was gross. <laughs> All right, so um, just uh, checking in. You have it at twelve points in the top half, and I have it at six. So there's some some difference there. Ben gave it a a two and a three. He didn't have a real take for it. Yeah, he, he acknowledged that it's a middle. Um, he he said that there was more sexy time and shooting than normal, but that he didn't think that made it any better, right. and that they should leave that shit in the Enterprise trash bin. <laughs> Um, but he said it, it was worth a few points for executing the show sort of okay, like keeping the pace. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Um, what about world building? Mm, they had finger painting in the Bajoran camps. Yep. She mentioned she was good at finger painting or whatever. Uh, the Krasari trade with both Bajor and the Cardassians. Not sure about Bajoran rules of due process, but is evidence admissible if you turned into a rat and saw the whole thing? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, Probably if it's against Cardassians. Yep. Admiral Chakotay at Starfleet Command. That's all I got. I gave it a two. All right. Um. Yeah. So it didn't fare uh, a lot better for me. I fared a little better. So the, the there's the third orb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prophecy and Change, which I, uh, in my notes here, said sounds like the name of an ICP record. Third Orb, Prophecy and Change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely Insane Clown Posse. What, uh, do we know what the other orbs are? Have we, have we been paying attention? We've seen at least one, right? I think that, I think that there's an orb in Emissary. Right. But I don't remember which orb it is. I think it's probably not the third orb. Right, okay. Um... Well, I suspect we'll, we're going to learn more about these orbs. Sweet. I hope we learn as much about them as we learn about the rules of acquisition. Oh, there's no <laughs> yep. chance? Oh, okay. No, there's zero chance. All right, cool. Because you can't just make one up on the spot, I guess. All right, cool. Uh, the Krasari DNA traders. Um, there's a little bit about the sort of the who gets access to these orbs hmm. and how that's regulated and what's done... Uh, you know, de facto and de jure access. Well, you definitely wouldn't want everybody to have access to the prophecy orb. You know? Wouldn't... Well, it feels like if it's you're given a Vedic, th- you don't, for sure. It feels like it's, um... But what's the explanation they give? As to why they don't let everybody? Yes. Well, I, yeah, they... I don't know if they give one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's sort of... I feel like there'd be an interesting religious tension there about... Well, the Vedics can see the orbs and get prophecies whenever they want, but, uh... But you not know, you regular folk. I'm a long-haul trucker or whatever. That's right, I'm not allowed uh, to look to the 36 hours in the future to see who I'm getting a naked bag hug to. I gotta I gotta drive past the forest where the Dalrock appears every year. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do that for you, but you won't let me look in the orbs? Yeah. Um, I legitimately don't understand how, at all, how the Prime Directive applies here. Like, 
fine if this is an internal matter and the Federation has no business interfering. Yeah. But why is it specifically a Prime Directive matter? Yeah. Because if it's a Prime Directive matter, the Federation shouldn't be doing any of the stuff it's doing with Bajor. <laughs> yeah, then they broke it. They're interfering. <laughs> broke it a long time ago. Yeah. Prime Directive seems like it should be out the window. I gave it a four. Okay. For world building. And what did you think of all the one all of our favorite characters from Deep Space Nine? Uh well I gave it as, as much as a six. Nice. That might be so, the highest DS9's ever gotten. <laughs> They're not good. Uh, characters for are, me. Characters are deplorable. I mean, most uh, of the time. You're, you're, yep. I gave it a six in Babel. Oh, all and, right. And in A Man Alone and an Emissary. So, but I've never given a seven. Okay. All right. Well, that continues. Um, okay. Uh, Vedic Burial seems a lot less scheming than the last time we saw him, and I wonder if that's intentional. Or if they just forgot. Yeah. It's been a couple episodes. Uh, Lee Nollis is a little bit less conflicted, but that could be passage of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wynn is just as evil, or maybe even a little more evil. She's really leaning into that. Mm-hmm. Oh, good thing we've got lots lots more time with her. Cisco is suddenly fired up, so I guess he's made his decision about whether he wants to stay there. Mm-hmm. And we will see Kira sort of make decisions about what is important to her here. And we see Quark sort of cooperating when things start to get serious. Right. He likes to be a minor rebel in a pretty stable place. That's right. Yeah, he's not a, He's not up for chaos. It's not good for business. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, basically... Cisco has been more active for a few episodes now. Yes. So... That starts to seem less like bad characterization and more like they just don't know quite how to explain this character growth, but it is happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Kira was good in this one. Yeah. She was alright. Not basically no one else is in it. I gave it a six. Okay. Uh, I agree. Cisco is much more present already this season in these first two episodes. And he was a little bit in the end of last season, too. So maybe the, as they actually delve into this Bajoran shit, there's more for him to do. Um, it's nice to see him fight for Kira in the opening scene here. He yeah, it doesn't feel 100% earned. Yeah. Like, they don't seem like they should be that close, but I think he just likes not having to do stuff himself, maybe. That's right. She's, well, she'll take on any investigation that he gives her, no That's matter right. how He'll, unqualified she is. She'll do anything, whether she should or not. That's right. Hey, where did Jake learn that you should come see this routine? Has he just been oh, around yeah. Starfleet officers his whole life? It's too late now? Yep, yeah, he he definitely does the Starfleet. <laughs> he come, fucking... You gotta come check this out yourself, rather than I'll just tell you what happened. He insists. Yeah, like, he does. I think Cisco asks, like, a couple of times. Like, yep. what? what is it? What? what like, well, what is happening? No, nah, but Dad, though, no, nah, Dad, though, you really gotta, you gotta see this in person and really, really take it in. That's gotta, pure Starfleet. You gotta see this thing. <laughs> and then, of course, the circle's painted on their door or whatever. Um, that, by the way, that would be rule number one on my starship. Tell me what's happening and I'll decide whether or not I'm going to come down there and see it. Right, we all got just a, all the time in the world to just walk all around? Just... At least let me know whether I should bring a phaser or not <laughs> yeah. when I come down there. Uh, Odo, more animated as well. He's all worked up over Kira leaving in the uh, early part of this episode. He is very worked up, although I don't I don't think they did a good job of conveying why. 
Yeah, I don't know. He if... seems like he's mad at her, like she's a deserter. And if their if their intention was already to put some emotion into him about her, they yeah. didn't get there. That's right. Yeah, not mission not accomplished. Yeah. Uh, Brile, so like you mentioned, Brile technically counts in this section now. Uh, so does Lee Nollis, so does Vedic Wynn, so does Frank Langella. This shit is bonkers. Well, it's in the middle part of a three-part episode. You Like, characterization of the side characters that are gonna be in the finishing part of the arc still definitely counts. Yeah. So let's talk about Lee. Uh, okay. Seems appropriately put out by his assignment, but also grateful and very deferential to Cisco. Yep. Also, I think he's DS9's first likable character. So far. He is definitely the first likable character. Like, he's not he's not confident that he is the right guy for the job, but he's gonna try. He, like, jumps right in to trying to help run the station. He's got ideas for shit to do. He comes up with, like, fucking action plans. Commando raid. He's all in. He's like, I'm gonna go fucking save Kira. He's not bright, he doesn't seem to be. He can't even fathom why the Cardassians would sell weapons to one faction in a Bajoran yes. internal conflict. Right. Like, why That's is, not smart. Why is he dumb? Why would the Cardassians sell weapons to one half of a Bajoran civil war? Like, why do he you... Was a, you gotta remember that this guy was like a pig farmer or something <laughs> yeah. who joined the rebellion and shot a naked gull, that's and right. that's why he's here. It's just that, like, ugh. I don't think Lee Nollis went to college. Let's put it that way. I don't think that... He's like Conmel, I think. <laughs> he's the suspect one, yeah. Yeah. I just don't think that for writing reasons you need a character to go, why would they do that? Yep. I feel like it's pretty obvious why why they would do that. Um. But anyway, I like him. I, I think he's a likable character. Probably means he's going to eat it. Um. Kira could be an interesting character if the writers were good. Yep, it is the main drawback, is that they they never let her say the things that need to be said, yeah, and they never let her feel the things that don't need to be said. Right. Yep. Like she's she's just saying exactly the wrong stuff and not saying the stuff f- that she could say. Her character should say. Yeah, and she, like because she's full of contradiction, right? She's all grumpy yes. and cynical and hard edged. But she's also deeply spiritual and easily overawed by new experiences and will do anything for her people. And I was just thinking about that when Baral shows her the Orb of Prophecy and she looks like a scared little kid standing in front of it. That was m- probably the best acted moment, I think, of the show. Yeah. I don't remember if I gave her best actor or not because I don't have that page up. Okay, I didn't. But, <laughs> um, but I, yes. And I was just um, like, man, if they like just worked a little bit and tried to make this character something i think there's enough there there could are you so like she's not as well developed a character as say ivanova (laughs) yes she's not as well developed as Ivanova. despite the fact that she's probably a better actress and could have handled a better character claudia christian is definitely not a good actress so yeah i mean she's got she's at least in her league (laughs) yep it's hard not to be you have to imagine that she's in her league. Although, how did you enjoy Claudia Christian's work on Skyrim? Um, well, <laughs> she plays every other character, so you got a lot of chances. She's she's a, there, she's a lot of them, and but they all boy, they all do sound like her. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she is sworn to carry your burdens. That's good. Um, Quark had a good she, line. Well, she's not the one who delivers the the very worst lines in the. That no, that's the guy who. She's the... not as bad as Ferengar's secret fire or the guard who says, "The best, the best defense is a good offense." <laughs> he, yeah, he what? pronounces things like Sulu would. What? <laughs> so go tell that to O'Neill. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, let's see, I was saying Quark had a good line when he told Odo that he has to leave the station, but Odo doesn't have to, because you can just turn into a couch. Yep. And I thought to myself, or maybe like a Klingon chair or something. Yeah, it's probably the chair, probably the chair, probably the chair from the bridge of a Klingon ship. Um, let's see, I think I had a piece in here about Beryl. Uh, Beryl seems like a real creep. He's oh, just yeah. 100% creepy. Shows up at the garden, he's like drooling on Kira. It's really hard to watch, but his, the actor is so wooden. I also noticed I talk about, like this, and I'm Vedic Beryl. I also noticed about Beryl that his he he wears less robes than the other Vedics, right? Because mm-hmm. he's the good guy. So he's the uh, he's unconventional like monk. His shit looks like it's got one tie on the side, uh, like above the waist. Uh, he's accidentally showing people his dick all the time, right? Hundred times a day. Hundred times a day, he's Takes, just going whoop. Like too wide a stride or something, and it all just you, know, yep. whoop, you can see it. Yeah, but it's always an accident. But everybody knows <laughs> about Brile. They're like, yeah, no, did, did you see his dick a little bit? It's an oh, open yeah. secret on Twitter for sure. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he's a he's he's a he's the missing stare in the <laughs> Bajoran Vedic assembly. That's correct. Um. Wynn is also kind of wooden, so maybe it's just a Vedic thing. But she's slimy enough that it really comes through. Yeah. And I thought her bitchiness was super effective when she says that Kira can stay even as long as a week if she needs to. Oh, that to. was very good. I went, oh! <laughs> she smoked her. You can stay as long as you want, even as long as a week. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. She just crushed her. Um, yeah, Vedic Wynn is not a bad... The woman who plays Vedic Wynn is not a bad actress by any stretch of the imagination. She definitely... She knew what she was auditioning for. I think the the posting was just, we need a bitch. Just a straight-up bitch. Just a, just a dumb, all dumbass bitch. Just like, imagine your mother-in-law on her worst day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so, I, uh, I gave it a 7, actually, on characterization. So... We both yeah, agree that that's fair. better work than DS9 has normally done in that area. The characters are not all detestable now. So yeah, that's, yes, that's exactly. Good. They're starting to figure that out a little bit. Although they went... <sighs> Neither one of us mentioned Bashir because he's only in the opening scene. Yeah. But they went back to real confused, doesn't know what's happening Bashir for some reason. Yep. Like, yeah. why can't he pick up on the cues in that room? <laughs> yeah, there aren't that many people in there. Yeah. He acts like the three people that are in there before him is just like, wait, there's way too much going on in here. Yeah. I can't walk into a room with three people. It's difficult. Um, ben also gave it a six in characterization. Yes. Um, though he's, he, he seems to just be complaining about the nose makeup and how they wear it. Um, he says, Cisco by the end is standing up for some shit, gotta like that. Um, so he, he, I think he's also picked up that Cisco's more involved now. Um... I got some quick hitters. All right, let's hear them. Uh, Rene uh, Ar- Arquebus. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Is much better actor than Nana Visitor. Yeah. In fact, that's... well, he's he's the actor on this show, right? Like, he... of the people who were cast, he's the one with the best IMDb page. That could be. I mean, do, what about all the nature documentaries that Avery Brooks narrated? I mean, I feel like he mostly did those after Deep Space Nine. <laughs> that could be. Well, he was Hawk. No, he was Hawk. That's in true. Spencer for Hire? Yes. In Spencer for Hire. There is that. Uh, but, like, uh, Rene Aubergenois was in the MASH movie and a bunch of stuff like... Uh, Little Mermaid. You'll never stop seeing him. 
uh, once you once you're looking for them. In fact, that zany scene in her quarters had a lot of dialogue from a lot of people. So let me rank the performances of the people okay. in that room. Oh, I'd love to have that ranked. All right, Odo one. I feel like he yeah, probably fo- very focused performance. Uh, befuddled O'Brien. Yeah, I didn't a hundred percent understand. It's like he was just there to shake her hand and say goodbye, he but he was a little mad get into it. that he didn't get to do it. But like, he should have just left. <laughs> he should have poked his head in and gone. Oh, but he was nope. like, "I came here to do this." I'm going to say I'm it's gonna been an it, honor but, serving with you over. But then it's sense. like, but he knows that what he has to say isn't anything, and he's like, <laughs> "All right, well, I okay." He didn't want to I'm, be involved in this party at all. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, you're right. I think he was number two. Uh, Quark. Um, who overacts a little bit. Normally Quark is among the better actors, but he just, he overacts a little bit in the scene. Yep. Uh, Bashir. Uh, he, by the way, he definitely came there to try a Mac on, uh, Kira, right? He brought he straight the, up admits it. He brought the one glass, or the two glasses and the tiny little bottle, so yeah. He, he says you'd be surprised how often it works. <laughs> you'd be surprised how often that works on women! And I went, oh, he's overplaying his hand a little bit here. Yep. Uh, befuddled Bashir. Then Kira. <laughs> then Dax. <laughs> then... Surprisingly, for once, somebody below Dax, Wooden Burile. Yeah. Who walks in because he had a sex dream about her. Yep, that's right. That's why he came to the station. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, it was a sex prophecy. I think yes. I probably would act on a sex prophecy different than I would act on a sex dream, too. <laughs> uh, oh, shit, son. A robot in Vedic's robes just walked into Kira's quarters. That's what I had there. Yeah. Uh, Odo walked in a complete circle around his security desk during his conversation with Quark. But for no reason. Yep. Like he was supposed to gradually walk around it as he was talking, but he forgot and just stood still. And then he felt like he had to complete the circuit when he was done talking. (laughs) Because he just walks all the way around the desk. You go, wait, why did he do that? Um, Cisco's exchange with that general on Bajor was pretty effective. I thought that was maybe one of the stronger scenes in the show. Where that guy is... um... Not receptive to Cisco, but ends up respecting him. I was really distracted by the map, though. You were trying to figure out what everything on the map meant? I know, me too. The map was useless, and it was overlaid with some really bizarre geometric patterns that don't seem like they could have conveyed any information. (laughs) So every time they they showed us that point of view where Cisco's looking at him, and you can see the map behind him, I'm like, what do those circles in the bottom mean? Cisco's like, but every time you're in position to... Uh, have a confrontation with the rebels, you retreat. And I was like, I'd like to see that on the map, please. Can we see that on the map? Yeah. Uh, so it made me wonder if they hired new writers or something. I don't know why they're coming up with effective stuff. Um, well, season two, it's it's entirely possible that they have some. there was some writing turnover. Yeah. That Krasari captain was played by the police guy who wanted to fuck the shit out of Crusher in the big goodbye. Until she swallowed her gum. That was too much that for him. That was 100% out. That was fun. That was fun to rewatch. <laughs> I like girls who seem like maybe they they got special needs. <laughs> nope, that's too that's too far. That's not like my that, thing anymore. Though. That's gross. I gotta it's too think, far. Got to think about that. Um, those kidnappers waited for about four seconds after Cisco walked out of the shop before they kidnapped. Boy, they sure know. did. They were literally. They, they were, were not concerned at all that she would scream and he would hear it. <laughs> they just like as soon as he walked behind a tree, they're like, get her. Well, they were probably like, fuck, how did those guys not see us? <laughs> That's right, they they had stopped. that conversation here. We're wearing purple robes in the forest. <laughs> they did not see us at all. We got to jump now because sooner or later someone else is going to come along who does see us. Yeah, they're sure that when Cisco comes in, they've been caught. They're like, oh, yeah. everyone oh, no. freeze. Oh, God. 
does this guy think interrogating Kira will give him insight into how Sisko will react to their coup attempt? Yeah, that's that's baffling. That is a it's v- baffling that this guy thinks it's Cisco's decision, but unfortunately, the entire show acts as if it is up to Cisco. What happens? But here? that's like such a vague question, and the answer is yep. only going to be supposition anyway. Like his hunch is probably as good as hers. Yep. It- She's been off the station for an unspecified period of time, but it's at least several days. Yeah. And you can just, you know, uh, use common sense to figure out what you think he's going to do. But, like, t- literally his interrogation question is, what will Cisco do? In fact, it's sort of implied that it's been longer than that, right? Yeah. Like, even though she's still at odds for what with what to do with herself, she has no idea that, like, the military has been dealt a whole series of reverses. Yeah. Like, she doesn't know how things have matured outside of that um, monastery. monastery or whatever it is. The uh, you know space Vatican. Yep. So it's it's implied to have been a a while. So like, what does what does Jaro think Kira knows? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's such a weird interrogation. Like, it makes me think uh, the character, and I guess I have to apologize for the bad writing. The character just wants to beat her up. Yeah, probably. It's just show he's a bad guy. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, pulling out all the stops in season two. That camera shot from the lift as it starts to go down with Quark screaming about compensation in ops. Yep. That was yep. new and kind of neat. I liked it. Um, it's like a, the rare handheld walk onto the Enterprise Bridge in TNG. Right. Yeah. So they were going for it in this episode. Uh, again, with the unsanctioned unilateral commando raids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just like, well, we got guns, right? Let's go shoot people. That'll take care of the problem, I think. Uh, episode MVP, I went with Quark. With Odo deputizing him and busy pretending to be vermin, he'll have plenty of time to increase his share of sex trafficking profits in the Bajoran sector. Oh, 100% true. He is going to get busy. Um, this, uh, this opening scene, this is the most people ever assembled in the executive officer's quarters not discussing a mutiny, right? I think that's correct. Yeah, normally you only get that many people around if maybe the captain has made one weird order and it's time to right. mutiny. That's that's oh, mutiny's on. <laughs> uh the actress, Nana Visitor. Mm. I I continue to think she should she should literally firebomb the house of whoever made this uniform for her. It's it, very it looks unattractive. so bad. It looks so bad on her body. Yep. And I I keep saying I don't think it's her fault. Oh, I don't think it I is I don't either. think she has a weird body. I think this uniform is terrible. And, they, and you're right, they stuck with it. Um, when she gets on that lift in ops and to go to Docking Bay 3, yeah. does that slow-ass lift go all the way to Docking Bay 3? I never know how the lifts on DS9 work. That thing is so fucking slow. It's slower than the one in engineering that only goes down one deck on the Enterprise D. It's extreme. All the lifts on that station are extremely slow. But, like, for instance, say you're in ops, and you need to get to the upper pylon three or whatever. Right. How the hell does this thing work? Yep. How does it... Does it zoom all the way around the station, or do you have to get out on the promenade and get into a different lift? It's a totally open car, too. So if this thing fucking whizzes through the station yeah. to the upper pylon, that's gotta be a wild and not very safe ride. Yeah. I just... There are sometimes there are things about the layout of these ships and space stations that is not explained at all. And, um, the, you know, JMS would obviously explain it, but I think also the, uh, 
Maybe the fact he can order Game of Thrones. That guy would explain it too. Yes. And these people. Don't. I mean, I just I just think it must take two hours to get to Docking Bay Three if it goes at that speed <laughs> the whole time. Extremely slow. Um, Odo's comm panel when he's talking to the Bajoran security guy. Mm. It looks like a tops card in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> like it shows his it shows his little name and stats up at the top, and then it's got that picture of him. And he, but he's got the bat where at the end of the bat it says "fuck you." <laughs> yeah. Um. But he's moving around in it like in the Harry Potter universe. Yes, exactly. It just looked like a baseball card to me. Okay. Uh, that general's uniform had corduroy epaulets, which I thought was an interesting take. Yeah, we gotta make these shoulder bits different. I gotta make this uniform slightly different from the Bajoran military uniforms we've seen. How about gray corduroy? Yeah, you sold me. It is the general's pattern. You had me on gray corduroy. Well, listen, it means cloth of the king. There you so. go. Um, I thought the Crisari looked like a rejected Narn mask. Yeah, they were a little, they had too many ridges, but uh, but yeah. yeah, they were Narn like. Uh, I was infuriated by Odo. He can just be any size. I know. We see. Look, when he became a glass. Yeah. That was so wild that I almost wanted to forget it. But <laughs> yeah, he became like, hey, a little. How do you work? What physically? What is happening to your body? There are too many like, questions that we can't your, ask. Your mass changes. Yeah. How? How? <laughs> he became a little inset panel on a suitcase, and then a rat. Yeah. Did that rat weigh 180 pounds? <laughs> it doesn't rat. seem like it should have, because also O'Brien carried that suitcase over there, and he doesn't look like he lifts. No, he's also got those shoulder problems from all the kayaking too. That's right. So. That's an issue. Has that presented itself yet? Or is that something that happens later in this series? I can't keep my O'Brien time frame straight. I don't know. Uh, I think we get the first... The first evidence of that is from... It's not Contagion. What's it? Babel? Conundrum. No, Conundrum. Oh, he does he... Yeah, he does get her because he comes in. And... Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. Yeah, he's in there from his holodeck kayak. But he can't problems. remember why or what's going on. Yes, exactly. Okay, you're right. I gave uh, Best Actor to Mad at Kira Odo. He was kind of on it in that scene. And Worst Actor to Robotic Post-Sex Dream Kira. Until she snaps out of it. When Cisco tells her about the fighting. Yeah. She's like... Zombified. She's in a trance. It's very odd. Well, look, she was probably traumatized the same way you were about that sex dream. Yeah, it was it was bothersome. Uh, I like to think she's wondering why Dax showed up in her sex dream. <laughs> she she knows she's got a thing for Dax. We kind of already thought she did, right? What does this mean, etc.? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I gave this episode 16 points. You gave it 21 points. That's a total of 37, so it's ahead of Symbiosis and behind Return of the Archons, which is still in a position to win the week. It's getting more and more certain, given the two that are coming, too. <laughs> no sense Voyager and Enterprise are two worst performing. Oh, actually, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space still, Nine until recently was the worst. Until recently was the worst performing, and it's but it's um, closing the gap on Voyager pretty quickly. Coming into this week, it was only... 16 points behind Voyager. Oh god, dude, could it pass it this week? Oh, <laughs> uh, it actually it actually might. Oh, we'll boy. see what our scores are. Uh because this week we watched Twisted. Yeah.
Cass's birthday. She's two. As it means she's good to go, right? Like Neelix can just go to Pound Town, right? Because yeah. now she's two. She's two years old, and guess what? The ship's broken in weird ways. All the corridors don't go to the right place anymore because they ran into some kind of weird fucking spatial anomaly or something. And they spend the whole episode trying to get to places, but they can't quite get there so very good. So they go back to the holodeck, and then they decide they're going to save the whole day by not doing anything. And it works. Also, it turns out that that spatial anomaly... (laughs) was an alien presence that was trying to learn about humanity or something. And uh, that's the end of the episode. I'm glad that it was your turn <coughs> to give the synopsis because I realized that this is one of the episodes where I stopped halfway. Because the last you. thing in my synopsis is then Bellana had a plan that never would have worked. <laughs> that's right. Her plan was to go to the beach. And we all and know the, why. And there was a bunch of other stuff after that. It's, uh... Well, hey, you go first. Go ahead. Okay, so... This one was very tough. Tee off on Um, this one. This was very nearly my second ever no-take. Yep. Here's what I wrote, and this is the cynical first take, and I just never found a better thing for it. Mm. Um... If the apocalypse comes, you may as well lay down in the street and wait to die. You know, that you got a lot of points from you. That is my personal apocalypse that plan. Is... I just don't think it's very Star Trek. No, that's true. It's not very sci-fi. <laughs> I'm looking... Like, literally, is the lesson in this, sometimes it's okay to give up? Well, that is how they win the day, but I just can't believe it's what the episode was about. Was that what the episode was about? If not, what else? That is the tactic they use in the end. But Everything I... they try fails and then they have like a little moment where they're all like well guess we're just gonna have to see what happens and, yeah and it totally works um ben's point ben says look at things from a different point of view someone else's point of view it's scary and disorienting but it will i guess work out okay but wh- what point of view the point of view of not acting whose point but of view is that, that? Ha- but did that happen at all i don't know i don't know what he means by that um. Look, I gave it one point. Okay. I one. I somehow g- I gave it fewer. I uh, my take was nothing. <laughs> it, well, I, I mean, I guess seriously, nothing. Something about the crew and how they work together, but I can't think of a thing that it's actually trying to say. Something about how you face death, but that was only the last scene. I don't know. So there's. Let's talk about this. There's a lot of weird manufactured drama. Yeah. Like, we learn for the first time that Tuvok doesn't like Chakotay. Yeah. No evidence of that. No, they go, like, this is why you've never liked Chakotay. And it's like, wait a minute, what? It's like, oh, sorry, hold on. He didn't? I didn't know. (laughs) And also, the doctor runs his mouth about Neelix a little bit. Yeah. So to him, this, like, they're all facing death, and they, they, the writers give them these scenes where it's like, I've never liked you, but I guess uh, guess it's all okay. Yeah, I think what they were trying to do was, like, try out some new combinations. Let's pair up yeah. some characters in ways that we haven't done before. Let's have these guys have scenes together, and let's have these guys have scenes together as they all try to work their way through the ship. But I couldn't figure out what they were trying to say with that, other than, uh, well, we don't get a lot of uh, Paris and Bellana. Yep. So now they get to hang out, and it's like, yeah, okay, so what? 
Hey, how does Janeway think uh, Harry Kim's doing on this mission? It's very important that she give him something. Oh, is she going to tell him when they're not in any obvious peril that, you know, he's been one of the bright spots of this mission and she just wanted him to know that before... I stick my hand into this thing. Before, and I, before I reach into the next room. And I start talking like I'm in a fucking reject scene from fucking Twin Peaks. That's it was it was a rejects. It was the Simpsons Twin Peaks parody. <laughs> That's right. Where she, uh, where she tells him to look in Burns' suit. Yeah. This suit burns better. <laughs> That's right. Better uh, look, Burns' suit. <laughs> they still don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a zero. I this is my first zero on the take. I just yeah, you straight up no take, right? I, I uh, nothing. I thought about it a lot. You don't just give out a zero without thinking. Like I thought about it. No, for it's like difficult. Two days. I know because I know because I I didn't even manage to do it on this one. Yes. Like that's how bad that DS nine. Which one was it that I no taked? Mm, I'm trying to remember. What did I no take? Got to go back through the through Landrew. What did Landrew say? Help me, Landrew. <laughs> Dramatis personae. I no take. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> what did I give it on that? Not the actual take, but the uh, number. Uh, you gave it a four uh, oh, wow. on take and a one on execution. Ah, so that's right. I fucking pwned it on execution instead. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about execution on this piece of shit. Well, um, so when I no-take Dramatis Personae, I also gave it a zero in execution because you can't execute against no-take. That is true. What did you choose to do? It certainly did not get any points for executing against the premise. It got one point for general execution. Just okay, the one. so... What about this episode caused you to give it a point? Oh, boy, this is tough, because I was doing it all based on deductions. Um, let's see, so I can't get points for executing the premise, so here's how I felt about the rest of the episode. Spatial anomalies are boring. It's just a way to have characters go on an adventure without having to be good at writing. The only way they could even get this to work was to band-aid it and say it was aliens trying to say hello. Sure, why not? Okay. I think they went, oh, we'll pair people off in some different... Dog, these aliens say hello the way, uh... In Thanks for the Memories. <laughs> the way they think the aliens... Rimmer <laughs> proposes aliens did this, where they uh, they, they did their crossword leg, right? and they broke your legs. <laughs> they break your leg. It hurts Hello. like hell. It's like hell, right? They do it twice. <laughs> oh, they do it below the knee. Low. Hello. <laughs> they do it twice. Hello too. And Jigsaw must mean you. Hello to you. <laughs> I hate to be, what does he say? I hate to be around one of these guys when he's giving a speech or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think what they were trying to do, like I said, was, oh, we'll pair people off in some different combinations and get some real good chemistry going, except that none of these characters and none of these actors have any chemistry at all with each other. It's like no. every scene is their first together, and a few of the characters seem like they've regressed back to season one, especially yes. Bellana and Chakotay. Yes. It was just really not good, and how can they not come up with better ideas than this? I'm still waiting to hear what your one general point was. I think they thought Tuvok's do-nothing solution was going to play really well. But it turns yeah, out doing nothing is very boring. Okay, so here's the thing I think I that. hate this show. Here's the thing about that. This episode is so badly executed. If... Why do they bother with this do-nothing and then we're all going to argue about it? But in the middle of that, have Janeway sit up and say, ah. do nothing. <laughs> Takes away all of the drama of whether or and not doing nothing is the right But then also they all act like they didn't hear her say it anyway. Yeah. So but at home, you're like, oh, yeah, do nothing is the right solution. Uh, so she's telling us it's the right solution. Yeah. 
Yeah, I gave it one point based on the effort I thought they made to try to get some different kinds of chemistry going. But, you know, the effort got you one total point in execution. Congratulations. All right, well, here's what I have. Okay. How can the ship be reconfigured like this without vending into space? This is a very good question that I have in world building. <laughs> all right. Does it matter <clears throat> at all, dramatically or for any reason, that the anomaly was an attempted communication and not just random space BS? To me, it does not. And to the episode, it didn't since it's only brought up in the fucking ending scene. Right. Doesn't matter at all. Yep. Why was it necessary to have Janeway announce do nothing when they were already locked into that decision? You're asking a lot of good questions. Where is this sudden crew tension coming from? That's a good question. I do award it plus one. There's a plus one bonus. Hmm. For the irony of the holodeck being the ship's safest space. Did, why was that again? Just, just where, was that like the fulcrum uh, point for all oh, the Oh, just random. Just in the middle of the ship. Cool, good to know. Yeah. But... Usually it's the most dangerous part of the ship. Not this week. Okay. Almost certainly unintentional, but still it's worth a point. So um, it earned one point. Okay. So like you, I had it at a zero <laughs> for actual execution. Yes. <laughs> but with a one point bonus. Yeah. For an accidental irony. Uh, before you give us the top half, Ben gave it a two on execution. Oh, good. The whole ship's getting crushed, but the other crew members are fine. Also, that picture of the Twisted Voyager doesn't match the paths they actually followed. Nope, it does not at all. Yeah, so he gave it a lot more than we did. What did we give it on the top half? Uh, I gave it two points on the top half. That's pretty good. You gave it one points on the top half. That's very good. It's extremely good. It's a very good episode of this goddamn show. <laughs> Matthew. That's why my last comment that I had written down in execution was, I think I hate this show. Uh, let's talk about world building. Yeah, do it. Here's what we learn in this episode about the world in which this all takes place. I'm ready. Um, one small necklace mm. is worth two weeks of replicator rations. Yep. Even though it must weigh, like, no more than one-eighth of one meal. Sure. So, how do replicators work? No, no. Also, there's such a thing as a shock pulse you can do with your warp engines. That's good to know. I'm glad that it came up with that. It's two points, and all of the two points are for replicator rations. <clears throat> How about this one? <clears throat> and this has either got to be like a one or, a, or an eight or something. Aliens exist that can play with matter in such a sensitive way that they can reroute all of the ship's corridors and change its shape without causing any harm to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I gave it a one. Yeah, it's garbage. It's a garbage premise. It doesn't... What? Look, we've seen it a hundred times. What's the big danger of being in a spaceship? Uh, Exposure to space. That is correct. Yep. Why is it not in this episode? Why is it, like, the ship is a weird maze, like you ate mushrooms, and now you can't find where you're going? Yep. Why would that ever be how it is? Why would it ever be that you open the door and it's some dude in his underpants and not engineering? But why? Yeah. <sighs> How does the turbo lift work? Like, is the physical continuity of the turbo shaft intact? Characterization. Why don't corridors just end in a wall? I don't know, dude. I'm just going to characterization. I gave it a one in <clears> world building. <throat> Ensign Kim wants to party on the holodeck, even though he's on duty. Why doesn't he get his shit together? <laughs> yep. 
fucking Tom Paris straight buying jewelry for somebody else's girlfriend. Oh, by the way, everyone's favorite kind of party. A birthday party for someone you don't really know. I know. I don't know what to get her. Do you? What does she even like? Do you... When's the last time you even talked to her? I've exchanged, like, ten words of maximum. With, with all of your work friends and none of your personal friends from the crew. That's right. Uh, Tom Paris buying jewelry for somebody else's girlfriend. What a douche. Yeah, that was a douche move for sure. Really sick of jealous Neelix. Just a bummer. Um, Balana just called that dude Starfleet again. I thought she got over that in season one. Yep. And she's a fucking prude. She can't handle seeing that dude in his underpants. Yeah, she does not. She's not cool about that at all, and that's very unklingon. That's got to be her human half, yeah. because when Riker goes aboard the pod, those or whatever, chicks are body. They they are nasty <laughs> about it, and they love the idea that they that one of them might have to breastfeed him. That's the funniest joke those ladies have ever heard. I will Vecna have is hella him. nasty. That's all I'm going to say about it. I will have him. <laughs> he's not he's not very attractive, but I will have him. Man, TNG's so much better than Voyager. It's not. You I know, know what? It's, it's just, a lot better. We're setting precedent here. Everybody, please pay attention to this. We are writing the book on Star Trek. Voyager is terrible. <laughs> it started out sort of promising. Yeah, for a while we were like, "Hey, all right, they're kind of they're figuring it out." No, they gave it all back. Um, let's see. Why is Chakotay always throwing logic in Tuvok's face? Does he not value logic? Does he just <laughs> hate Tuvok? And his fucking spirit guide? Fuck! Jane, uh, Janeway's acting, dog. Who's to blame for to, for that performance? <laughs> Who's to blame for her as the the fucking Twin Peaks reject? <laughs> yeah, it's very bad. Yeah. It's extremely bad. Uh, do you think she was like, really excited to get to do that? I... I... <laughs> Could anybody be excited to stand up and go, do nothing? <laughs> like, it's not, and then lay right back down. Yeah, go back to sleep. I gave it a one. I gave it a one. I hated all of them so much. All right. It's like they inherited all of DS9 and Enterprise's problems. Here's what I have. All right. Can you tell that I'm rubbing my eyes? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, jealous Neelix is the worst Neelix. Yeah, and it's all we can. And once days. again, he has just zero suspicion about the Doctor. It's true. When the Doctor's like, maybe maybe Kess can stay here and help me with my hollow emitter program. As long as Neelix she takes is like, her, good, she... good, she'll be safe here with the Doctor. <laughs> he doesn't see the Doctor. Take who her. thought he was married to her? He doesn't. And see... had had kissing dreams about her. Doesn't see the Doctor taking her shoes off to give her another long foot rub. That's right. <laughs> Doesn't think for a second. Gus doesn't know shit about hollow emitters. <laughs> yep. She's a nurse slash botanist, and she's two. Yeah, she's not. She's not really. Uh, she hasn't had time to bone up. Right. Uh, so just no suspicion about the doctor. Um, I'm uh, super glad. Oh, good. This Chicote Tuvok tension we've never ever seen before is finally getting worked out. About time. Um, but I did end up. <clears throat> giving it a couple of points for Neelix at least recognizing his jealousy and making some attempt to discuss it and address it and work on it. Mm. Like, at least he's aware that it's not a good look, and he's talking to, unfortunately, Chakotay, which makes no sense. What is Chakotay? Yeah, who cares? What does he have to do with it? They were just trying out something new. Yep. You know who haven't have hung out con- a lot? Chakotay and Neelix. A conversation he probably should be having with Janeway, but... 
whoops, she's unconscious, so whatever. I, I gave it two points just for that because it's it is at least showing an attempt to correct an error in your character, even though you make literally make no progress, but yeah. you're at least saying that you want to. Right. Um but we didn't give it a lot of points. You could Yeah, the math did not take long to do. You could, you could keep trying to add that up, see if it turns into more points. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I could sneak a point in there somewhere. Why don't you tell me what you had in your quick hitters? Right into fucking Sandrine's after a Netflix teaser image of the Doctor in a beret? Yep. Oh, and it's Cass. Awesome. This is going to yeah, be a wonderful. really good fucking episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. Um... Hey, I've actually I've I recognize that echo in the uh, communications device. Somebody mute yourself. You're messing up the conference call audio. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, whoever has the audio up, could you please put yourself on mute? You're, it, where there's an echo. Can everybody who's not talking please put themselves on mute? All right, everybody, please check to see if you have muted the audio coming out of your speakers. I'm just gonna mute everybody from here. I'm gonna mute everybody. All right, I'm gonna put you all on mute. I'll unmute you later for questions, but the, this echo is really bad. Just put in the chat window if you need to ask a question, and I'll unmute you. That's what was happening, dog. Yeah, for sure. That's what it sounded like every time that's ever happened. Uh, they found one of the rare special anomalies not located entirely in the Bajoran system. Yep. Um, Tuvok's solution is to warp into the crazy anomaly. Jesus, dude. Maybe That's a very bad solution. Fucking try some thrusters first or something. I by the way, I think everyone on this ship would have lost a uh starship fight to Kirk and we'll talk about why. <laughs> That's right. This no-name crewman is a real braggart. I didn't notice how cold it has gotten because I was working out so hard. You should have yep. seen me. I deadlifted like 275. It was awesome. And I did like Are 200 talking, push-ups. You're talking about Lieutenant Baxter. I'm I am so suspicious of these guys now. Yeah. When they get names and lines, I'm like, is this guy going to get his face peeled off in a couple of episodes? What am I looking at with this guy? Yep. I uh, did like 200 push-ups. Everyone was like, no way you can do it, but I totally did it. It was awesome. Everyone's like, oh my god, it's so cold. I'm like, I didn't even know this dog. And I was like, I was... what? It's cold? And I asked the computer, and the computer's like, yeah, dude, it's cold. Yep. Um, This thing must be playing with their minds, because how could it alter the layout of the ship without compromising structural integrity. You can see I'm still early in the episode and I'm, I'm yep. trying to make And you were hoping, you were desperately hoping that someone would come along and explain how it could be happening. How could the doctor not be able to zap himself back into the sick bay? Why? Yep. Um, MVP is Kess for having a birthday party. Okay. I don't That's know. pretty good. <laughs> You're up. Uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for the reminder that Kess is two. It was extremely <laughs> nasty two weeks ago when she said she wasn't even two. Now. Feels and good. that she had not hit puberty. Yeah. So thanks for reminding us. <clears throat> um, couldn't find someone who remotely speaks French to play Madame Sandrine? Uh, no, she had one of the worst fake French accents. It was very, it was very bad. Not remotely convincing. Oh, um, but her put. Her petite cur. Yep. It's like, oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> yep. Um, Alright, the spatial anomaly is in front of you. Oh, now it's behind you. Oh, it's all around you like a ring. How about going up or down? He. I thought I missed when he came up with that and it didn't work. Because I oh, thought no, there was just... no way you wouldn't think to try to go around it a different way. 
Nope. Yeah, no, no, they just did not attempt to go up or down at all. Uh, Kirk would have come up behind them in the Mutara Nebula and, and just faced them. their shit up. And it would have been like, this dude's from the 20th century and he was thinking two-dimensionally. <laughs> Which, by the way, as a sentence, does not really work for me, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> Who is this full lieutenant, Lieutenant Baxter, just taking orders from Harry Kim? That is a very good question. It's, it's like... What's happening? That's like when, uh, again, the structure sometimes is very confusing. Like when Dex calls Odo Sir, and you go, "No, nah, I don't get it now. No, I don't on. know anyone's What's rank." <laughs> Did they? Um, they all leave the holodeck. Did they not even try to shut down the holodeck program? Mm. Because when they come back and it's still running, no one's surprised. Yeah, I don't think anybody even thought of it. <laughs> this is a ship with energy problems, right? Yeah. They're not going to turn off the holodeck. <laughs> Why do Star Trek writers think it's super funny, like the, one of the funniest things, to have a horny woman chasing a man around who doesn't want to sleep with her? Because they get all their comedy cues from like the 1930s. Okay, right? That's what's happening, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's, oh, isn't it funny that Madame Sandrine's after the doctor? Because normally the guys are the sex perverts. Isn't it funny that Loxana Troy is making... Picard and sometimes Riker are real uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are other examples. Yeah. Well, there was this one. Uh, Harry's only been one of the bright spots of the mission because everyone else that Janeway interacts with has done a crime already. Lots of crimes. <laughs> Lots of crimes. To- yeah, She's dude. busted two of them down in rank. I know. Like, even Tuvok fucking... Fucking... Betray the Tuvok prime directive. A, Tuvok did a treason. That's just not good. Yeah, Harry Kim looks pretty good by comparison. Yeah. He could have escaped this life and he chose to come back. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, has Baxter committed a crime? Because, I mean, if one she, assumes. If she doesn't count his great workout as one of the bright spots of the mission, then I don't think she's been paying attention. And then, uh, did Janeway praise him at this moment because she knew she, she was going to lose consciousness? Did she read the script? <laughs> oh, that's the script right there, sitting next to yeah. her. Uh, that's what's next to her down there on the floor of the Jeffrey's tube. Mm-hmm. Um, man, this crew is bad. I've always hated you, but now that we're dying, I don't. <laughs> like, no one's going to feel good when that thing hits them after having this conversation. Yep. And then, I'm so mad about this. Don't tell us anything about the 20 million gigaquads of new information in the computer. Don't tell us at all what it is. Yeah, is there anything in there you might you might want? Because I completely trust you to bring it up again in the future and that it will be relevant and meaningful in future plots and not just forget that it happened. <laughs> yeah. And then is Lieutenant Baxter going to be a thing? Yeah, I hope not. Um, Best actor. Hmm. I just, I gave it to Cass. It's a very rare, but she she's the only one who didn't shit the bed. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to give it to Janeway. You can't give it to Janeway. I gave her worst actor. Yep. But specifically, I gave it to Janeway. <laughs> she, she got to lay down for a lot of the episode, and then she did. a couple of times she got to, t- to uh, talk dumb. In the past, I have given best actor awards sarcastically to a character who was unconscious the entire episode. Yep. If they like didn't obviously move around or breathe. 
Uh, ben gave worst actor to the Wang, as always. But she kept waking up to annoy me, so she's not going to get that award. Yeah, also, why did she keep waking up just to say things? I don't know. It doesn't matter. She's, uh, she's because she read the script. Because she read the script, exactly. She was, right. in her mind, she was getting, as a dream, like these aliens were communicating with her because she put her arm into them. Yep. And she they were they were giving her the script. They were giving her script beats. Oh, good. That's good. That's very helpful. Yeah. Hey, do you guys... math is hellagram on this. I was going to say, did you guys get the idea that we did not enjoy that? Um, sometimes we score an episode low, and then we go, you know, I kind of, I didn't hate that episode the way this score seems. Um, or sometimes we score it high and go, yeah, I still didn't think that was a good episode. Right. No, it lines up here. I mean... <laughs> it felt right. This episode was just an abortion. A pile of garbage. Um, I gave it six points. That's very bad. Uh, hold on, let's check. That might be the lowest I've ever scored. In I remember. Let's I see. think I once gave six points to move along home. Uh, it's not, but only because I only gave four to Dramatis Persona. But you have to remember <laughs> that I blanked him in the top half. That's right. I got nothing in the first. Day. Otherwise, six would be the worst. <sighs> Matthew, you gave it three points. That's almost as few points as you can give. I mean, it's just so low. That's the worst that either of us has given any episode. Yeah. Yes. And. When you add six and three, you get nine. That's single digits, bro. I, I would like to remind you that the total possible score is 80. Yes. It is possible to score 80 points. It is possible. Well, I'm not exactly sure what you'd have to do, but yes, it is possible. This episode, this episode got nine points. Uh-huh. Right. It's very nine bad. Points. It's the worst. It's the worst episode we've ever scored. We gave Move Along Home 15 points. And that was a real nothing episode. That was very much nothing. By the way, I'd watch it ten more times. Oh, I was uh, I was entertained. I was thoroughly entertained by uh, uh, the King of the Wadis, or whatever he was called. Fallow, Master Surgeon of the Wadis. <laughs> um, we gave Dramatis Persona 15 points. That was also a stinker, for sure. Nine points. Yeah. Yes. That's um that's twenty twenty eight fewer points than we gave Deep Space Nine. This week, that is correct. So uh so that makes that up that, that margin up. Yep. Voyager is now going to slip and become the uh worst worst show. And th- yes, we haven't scored Enterprise yet. Enterprise already had more points than Voyager. Okay. So uh that's that's it. That's it. Voyager is now in last place. Well, they again they tied gave... with the fewest number of wins and alone at the lowest number of points. They gave away all the goodwill that they earned with a few episodes that looked like they knew what they were doing. So yeah. Moving on, dude. Let's get out of this thing. Like like Picard, I set your course for anything. All right. I want to get away from this. This week, well, let's see if that holds up. This week we watched Vox Sola. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew, six went into you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never gets shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent, nothing to spare. Niggas roll up, shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing, tasting revenge in the air. I let this shit slide for too many years, too many times. Now I'm strapped with a couple of max, too many nines. If y'all niggas really with me, get busy, load up the semis. Do more than just hold it. Explode the clip until you empty. There's nothing in our way. They bust, we bust. They rust, we rust. Let fly and feel it. I feel it in my gut that we take these bitches to war. Lie them down, cause we stronger now. My nigga, the time is now. I need this one mic. 
What uh, what was that track? Oh, that's one mic by Nas. Okay. Because <clears throat> it's Vox Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, plus, Jesus died when he was 33. I, I heard all of the wonderful lyrics. <laughs> it's very good. It's extremely good. Also, it's just a constant crescendo up until the chorus where it drops out and he says all he needs is one mic. I don't know how he gets so... He doesn't get tired. Yeah. I, was, I, got, tired, I got tired listening to it. That's... I mean, yeah. <laughs> was it too long a clip to play? Perhaps. <laughs> all right. What happened to this thing, dog? All right. Vox Solo. Uh, first contact situation goes awry. Oh, um, really? And the departing alien vessel leaves some sort of cum monster behind? Yeah, it did. It, uh, it traps the captain and Trip and three randos. And it links with their nervous systems. Okay. And then Hoshi and T'Pol have to bury their long-standing heated rivalry <laughs> yeah. that we've known about for 20 episodes <laughs> uh, in order to communicate with it. So they could return it to its home planet. Mm, mm, mm. Also, Reed invents the force field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, pretty good. That's pretty good. They made it, dog. They did it. They brought it back to its home planet. Um, do you want me to give you the take on this? Yeah, let's hear it. Dog, all, what was your take? All cultures? They're different. They're all the, cult- <laughs> the cultures are all different. That's it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's something about finding ways to relate to vastly different species and cultures, but it just felt like a giant truism. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yep. <laughs> no, I gave it a two, but boy, that feels generous. That take, yeah, okay. Just go okay. On. Well, <laughs> it appears we disagree. Oh, okay. What'd you what What'd you have for this thing? Here it is. Let's do it. Peaceful cooperation is possible, even with people who are very different from us. Uh, I feel like that's what I was going for. It's the most Star Trek take possible. Mm, that's true. I gave it ten points. Whoa! Whoa! Like, I get it. I understand what you're saying. This uh, is the maximum possible Star Trek take. Um, yeah. Wow. I just... You weren't, yeah. o- you weren't underwhelmed by that, though? I mean, but that's it. I mean, what's the like, alternative? Shooting. Blast everybody? Like they do in the rest of this show. That's true. Enterprise is pretty blast happy. Mm. I mean, okay. I get it. It's the... You cannot get more Star Trek than this. Alright. Well, shots fired. We're gonna have right. a... We're gonna have a real problem on this episode. I guess so. <laughs> Let's just... I guess just go on to execution. Go for it. So both the, um... Both the face fuckers and the spider web plots yeah. resolve this way. They both resolve with peaceful communication. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So good work on tying the A and B plots together. That's a bonus point for me. Oh, wow. Um, I am going to deduct two points for everyone being so stupid that I can't believe it. Because <laughs> at no point does anyone attempt to talk to Archer and Trip about what's happening, even though they're conscious the whole time. Yep. No one, asks, Don't, no one opens the door and talks to him at all. No one, no one just peeks their head in and goes, Hey guys, what's happening right now? Can Sounds you, like a two-point deduction. Can you read its thoughts? Like, how does this work? But, TNG would have killed one of those random crewmen mm-hmm. to artificially up the stakes. And I was thinking back about Enterprise, and I don't think they do that. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do they kill people? I'm not sure. I don't think I'm not. I don't know that they've lost any crewmen so far. Hmm. And I'm realizing that I like that. Okay. So that's another plus one. So the pluses and minuses cancel each other out this week. Yeah. Uh, it's a five out of ten on execution for me. Um. Okay, so the the central theme is pretty clear here, right? Like they did something to anger the Kratassans without knowing what, and the aliens are doing something to them without meaning to, or whatever. Yep. They don't know how to communicate with the crew. Okay, fine. Every Hoshi episode is about her getting her mojo back. Yeah, for sure. That I, sucks. I guess she keeps losing it off screen? Yep. Like, That's rough. It would be nice if they could find something else to do with her. Uh, I do appreciate that they're putting a lot of work into developing consistent characters. Mm, but this is not a fun character. <laughs> it. I mean, it did seem like to Paul's pep talk earlier about be more Vulcan mm-hmm. when they were when they were in the suits going into the Klingon ship. Uh-huh. Did seem like it should have resolved some of this, huh? Yeah, or maybe the first episode where they went and they found all those corpses on the alien ship. Yeah. And she was freaking out. Or the yeah. one, if I don't know if that was the same one as when she had that caterpillar or whatever. That worm? Slug? Well, I don't know what it was. It was a slug? And that's the slug had to go back to its home planet to get better? Anyway... Uh, just feel like it's the same thing over and over and over again with her. Um, yeah, that's not great. In general, strange life form, strange life form bottle episodes are not fascinating. But um, I don't know. It was fine. I gave it a five. So let's talk. Yeah, I added a five also. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about um, some missed opportunities here. Okay. For half of the episode. Trip and Archer are telepathically linked. Uh-huh. And they don't do any business there at all. No, I'll tell you what they talk about is fucking water polo. Yeah, well, that sucks, too. Can I just... Um, I know this is in... This is in my quick hitters, but can I just ask this question? About... About who wrote this episode? Yeah, a water polo player, for sure. Is everything... Is all of this episode to teach people about water polo? I think so. Yeah, this, is, this was this episode was underwritten by the Water Polo Council of America. Yeah, number eight on Texas just fouled one of my guys. Now he's ejected for twenty seconds. But then you'll have more players than they will, and it just keeps going like they're linked together in the cargo bay. And there's oh, it keeps yeah. his hands too low. That's why he can't defend. It was left, and you're just like, hey, um, I don't care about water polo. There's an episode of TNG that I don't like uh-huh. called Attached. Where Picard and Crusher are telepathically linked. Yeah. And they do some business. Yeah. Like there's a reason that they're telepathically linked and they explore some things. Yep. Coffee and I, I don't like that episode. But they did something with it. Yep. Yeah, the telepathic link in this episode is like the electric hands of that TNG episode we reviewed. It serves no purpose at all. Yeah, what the fuck? Why do we need it? Yep. Yeah. Agreed. World building. Yeah, let's get into it, huh? Kratosans. Yep. Water polo survived and looks just like it did in 1997. Yep. Uh, Nethian cradlefish. That doesn't count, but yeah. Some species think eating is hella private. Because yep. they're fucking space prudes. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, that organism that that can link everyone's nervous system together and looks like jizz. Yep. Two. Two, huh? Two. 
Um, I give it a three. Let's uh, let me hit on a couple of the things that you didn't talk about. There was not much. This is not a world building episode. This is a weird thing <laughs> happens episode. Right. Subspace mailbag. Okay. So the idea that they are getting content from Earth, right, on a regular basis, we never see that in any other. They don't. Yeah, they never talk to Earth. Series. Yeah. Um, I think it's different. I also, mean, entertainment still exists in in Enterprise in a way that it kind of doesn't. Like the only Enterprise will, the only entertainment we'll ever see on Kirk's Enterprise is Uhura playing the Spock's harp and singing and uh, tumbling in the gym. Yeah, and then after that, it's all holodeck in the other series. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think it, I think it makes sense for them to be connected to Earth because there ain't no other Starfleet. There's no one exactly. else for them to connect to. Uh, I think we get our first close-up view of how enlisted ranks are depicted on uniforms here. Oh. With uh, Kelly. I was not paying attention. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the invention of the force field occurs I mean, in this episode. Is that really, I mean, is that really what we're supposed to believe? That that's, that's it? That's the one? That's the, yep. for, the first force field? Yeah. Okay. He's the, he was able to make it stable. But like, All of the scientists on Earth couldn't do it. <laughs> But Reed can do it. Um, but Reed can do it. Uh, He's other, English. Other species have force fields, right? Yes, probably. Okay. I don't know. When he describes it to Paul and she says a force field, she doesn't She doesn't make a face like the Vulcans already have force fields, but I think that's probably because she's not a good actress. <laughs> I don't know what we're supposed to assume also her the face Vulcans have technology-wise. Her face doesn't move so very good. Yeah, she mostly looks like she got stung by a bee. <laughs> Reminds me of somebody. Um, Reminds me of somebody yeah. long departed. Yeah. No longer with this world. Uh, also, Planet Jizz. Um, yeah, three points is yeah. what I had for world building. Really not much in the way of attempts. The, the What there is about this world that we can take going forward is sort of... People want to get together and watch the movie yeah. together like an experience, even though they could just watch it in their quarters at any time because it's in the computer. That's true, yeah. Um, clearly, it's part of dating on the ship, also. Right. That's the under. That's the. That's the undertone, right, between um, Kelly and Rostov. That's the date that he wants to go. <clears throat> yeah, that's what it sounded like, and then, but she's like, "But you gotta go fix the part with the jizz alien in it." Yep. Um. <laughs> By the way, yeah. Checking it on Ben for world building, he gave it one point, and he said, "There's got to be something." Uh, yes. Also, um, both Stanford and Princeton have survived. Yes. That's true. There and are... they're, one assumes they're still prestigious in some way. Well, I think he says Texas at one point, Texas, too. Texas and Stanford. Why did I say Princeton? Did Princeton think, come up at all? I think they do come up later on when he... Yes. Somebody... Oh, that's right. He he was in the... He, when he played water polo, he played against Princeton. Yes. 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 So, yes. Uh, Texas, Princeton, Stanford all still have survived. So it's a little peek into the evolution. Well, no one's going to talk about Stanford and any other Star Trek. I think that's probably true. I think that's true. The only university we'll ever hear about Starfleet is Academy, the Science Academy, and Starfleet Academy. Starfleet U. Starfleet U. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, characterization. Yeah. Uh, I also gave it a three here for characterization. That sounds about right for Enterprise. Uh, Archer's a big fan of water polo. Who cares? Well, apparently um, we're supposed to care. Oh, she has self-confidence problems again. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Mm -hmm. This All of a sudden there's T'Pol and Hoshi drama? 
where she's like, she feels like T'Pol's always looking over her shoulder and she's real irritable about it, but we've never seen that. Certainly from the beginning of this episode. It's invented for the purposes of this episode. Yeah. Uh, Dr. One Million Genocide's Flocks won't let Reed shock a semen worm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, don't worry. It turns out to Paul's hard on uh, on Hoshi because she respects her. Hmm. So that, that saves all of that drama. <laughs> don't worry. It's, it was resolved, finally resolved, yeah. just like the Chicote Tuvok beef. <laughs> fucking, They're so aff- like fucking amateurs, dude. Really, just really fucking amateur writing. It's it really is amateur hour. Um, I gave it a three. How did you feel about the characterization on this episode? Huh. At one point, Archer motions for Trip to open the airlock and let the Kratosans out. Hey, why can't he do it himself? Yeah, he really could. Seems like he could. Does he not know how airlocks work, or is he still just an asshole? Uh, well, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it in a minute, but nobody on the show knows how airlocks work. Okay, good. Um, Vulcans do love saying, I told you so. T'Pol loves it even a little extra. Does yeah. Jolene Blaylock have a cold? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> It kind of sounds like she does. She does sound like she has a cold. She continues the Vulcan tradition of attempting to shoot the worm instead of communicate with it. Yep. Um, Hoshi's kind of a downer. She's like... Do you think it's because her face looks like that? <laughs> well, I mean... Like someone looked at... Um, oh, jeez, what's the name of the actress who plays her? Oh, I, well, it's Grace Park, and I only know that because I think of that as the most Korean name. It's not Grace Park. Is it Linda Park? Oh, is it not Grace Park? Is that the name of the other one? That's the name of the Battlestar. Grace, Grace Park's in Battlestar The Galactica. Battlestar Korean. So, yes, it's Listen, Linda there's Park. lots of Grace Parks. Yes. Um, so I Linda think we Park. probably went to school with at least one Grace Park. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, just listen to her shit, dude. She's like, there's weird static. That's what kind of day I'm having. Yeah. Oh, so it's she's, my fault we blew that meeting? She's bummed out. Like, Trip comes over to help her out, and she's all fucking down on the dumps. Like, I would hella avoid her if I worked on that ship. Seems like she's, like, trying to borrow trouble all the time. Yep. Uh, Trip knows just how to cheer Archer up. Fucking water polo. And he plays along by rooting for the other team to bust his chops. They're buddies! Yep. Reed wants to... If only they were, like, telepathically connected in some way, and we could... <laughs> we could figure something explore out. Explore some aspect of their friendship. Yeah, it'd be cool. Reed wants to see a movie with explosions, probably because kids love movies with killing in them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, then he hella overreacts when Hoshi suggests they talk to the worm, fucking flies off the handle. Hey, he loses his shit. It doesn't make any sense. Then his, this episode is very bad. Then his eagerness to probe the worm could be setting him up as maybe like a, a problem moving forward? Like a, like a, maybe a hothead or somebody they may be able to set up against the other crew members? because he's willing to do shit they aren't. I don't know. If they were oh, writing yes, it well... but this is week 21. If they were writing it well, maybe that's what they might be trying to do. Flox isn't into invasive research on the living worm piece, despite some of his other weird stances on things. Um, yeah. Mayweather got some bridge time and got to chat with the aliens. He totally saved the day. Yay, Mayweather. Also, he delivered an apology uh-huh. that was not a sorry you're so fat apology. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, work was he, done. He definitely proved that he's a much better diplomat than Trip. Yeah, or Archer. Or Archer. Archer's maybe the worst. He's terrible at first contact. Uh, work was done here, but I enjoyed little of it. I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, and Ben 
gave it a two. Um, seemed like he was a real who cares on this whole episode. Yeah, he did seem. He seemed checked out on this episode. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes, a little I, bit. sometimes I feel checked out when when I'm doing Enterprise. It's just like even when it's doing fine work, which it's not doing in this episode. It's there's something really boring about Enterprise. I don't know what it is. They don't really. They're not capturing me. It's um. Well, first of all, they don't have that great TNG season one background music that tells you how you should feel. Did very dramatic. Yep. So you're even though they're out exploring for the first time, you're not getting the constant sense of wonder that you're getting when, say, Picard is looking through Geordi's visor. <laughs> Dude, I've never had any kind of sense of wonder or anything like it in my own life just by watching that episode. Also, they've set up that the crew all hate each other. Yeah. And that sucks. That's true. And maybe Gene Roddenberry was right all along. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for quick hitters, dude? Okay, airlocks don't work that way. Okay, good to know. <laughs> so, the, when they leave the ship, yeah. the fucking tube that was connecting the two ships starts to pull away. Uh-huh. The airlock, the outside door is still open. Yeah. And the semen monster just slips right in, and then it closes. <laughs> what? There's no point. Why did you let the tube disconnect with the door open? That's not a useful airlock. That's not. You only have one door open at a time on an airlock, and they don't know what a lock is. Close that door as soon as you can. They they don't have any idea what a lock is. What is the purpose of anyway? It doesn't matter. Presumably, by the way, the airlock is also very bad because the semen monster got into the rest of the ship somehow. Yeah, that's true. Why would you open the inner door? What purpose does that serve? Uh, I said Jesus Christ to Paul can barely read. She pronounces the word failure real funny in this, but I didn't think it was actually worth sending the clip and playing it. It's, it uh, kind of sounds like she's um, she's from SoCal or something. She's I get picky like, about line readings in a way that I don't think is useful. She's like, failure. Um, like you, I got mad, and I just wrote, don't watch or enjoy water polo. That's just an instruction to the people involved. <laughs> Don't do that. Yep. Um. Yeah, definitely three of the foremost senior officers on the ship should go alien hunting. This is a, that's a team. Don't send your. Don't send a security team. Make sure you send Archer and Trip in, and Reed in the greatest tradition of. TOS. And one presumably security officer. Uh, it's more like a calculus equation than a language, says Hoshi, oh, yeah. looking at a bunch of integrals on her screen. There's a bunch of fucking waveforms, too. Oh, no, below that, there were a bunch of calculus equations. Oh, okay, on a good. lower panel, on a panel lower down, she was literally looking at calculus when she said that. <laughs> okay, good. That's better than what I thought. I thought it was the waveforms. I don't think she knows what calculus so is. So some PA read that and said, oh, we gotta put some calculus... Somebody, somebody look up some calculus equations. What do they look like? They have those weird S's at the front. We're gonna right? put them right on the panel. Yep. Uh, I did find it deeply sinister that Rostov suddenly understands water polo. <laughs> yeah, the music turned a little bit, and I went, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, that would be fucked up if you were all of a sudden like, the goalie keeps his hands too deep. Yeah, I would fucking try to fucking gnaw, gnaw that alien off of me. I'd get out of there any way I could. Uh, these guys, the, uh, Kratosians, mm, yep. they're gonna have a real rough time in this galaxy if eating is offensive to them. <laughs> have they ever what met anybody? What are they going to do when they see Kern eat? Oh, boy. 
He's when a he pervert. smears caviar with his hands on the dead, burned bird flesh. Talk about a pervert, dude. That is Kern, for sure. Yeah. Why, um, this is a legitimate question that I have, Matt. Why is the CGI for this semen monster so much worse than Odo's transformation scenes from literally ten years previously? Hmm. I wish I could answer this. Um... They saw how bad the ratings were on Voyager and they didn't give Enterprise any budget? Yeah, I guess that's probably it. I don't know. You're right, though. The CGI sucked this whole episode. But that last scene with the worm fragment... Was particularly bad. Really embarrassing. It was awful. And then, this is less about the episode. I'm just inviting you to speculate. Do you think there are any Vulcans at Stanford, or is it like still all humans? Oh, they don't know. They don't let no fucking Vulcans in there, dude. They gotta stay in the city first of all. And they oh, gotta, that's right. And they gotta fucking put hoods on and go to jazz clubs. We all know what the Vulcans <laughs> do in the city. They gotta fucking hear some fucking horns, some fucking real jazzy horns blasting away. It's gonna, it's gonna fucking blow their minds, and they're gonna still be thinking about it years later. Yep, and in sexual terms, they will still be thinking oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, sexually. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Did you have some quick hitters? Check it out. It's my favorite dog, Richelieu. He's on the screen. <laughs> that little dog. He comes, he's back for more. Yeah. Um, he's gonna he's gonna bark at the cum, but don't worry, no one's gonna see that he barked. It's not gonna be useful in any way. Yep. Hey, these no names got lines because it's time to die. It's a TOS tradition continued. I think, as you point out, they don't end up dying. But I, They don't uh, die at all. I, I understood why they were getting their lines. Because yeah. they were about to get got. Uh, where did they get this hella standard deaf water polo match? Oh, yeah, really? It's, it's extremely poor quality. I assume they have to compress <laughs> it to send a boring-ass three-hour water polo game over like, subspace. It looked like it was VHS, though. I mean, it I think really I saw some, like, really lines on it and shit. Like, tracking lines. Yeah, the tracking. The scan lines were all wrong. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, security is a real cavalier with the phase pistols. They were shooting that worm even though it was wrapped all around Archer's legs. <laughs> yeah, they really were. They were good. I mean, they didn't hit him, but... That's true. They didn't shoot him. They took some it was chances. It was better than um, than O'Brien's girlfriend when she tried to execute Vedic Burial. She was just blasting that thing all over the place. Just shot the floor real bad. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay, I get it. They're going to have to chase down the Kratosans, and Hoshi's going to have to redeem herself. Hasn't this already happened in, like, episode two, when they found yeah. a, that alien ship with all the corpses? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure did. Don't worry, though, that didn't happen. Nope, because that entire plot line was settled by Mayweather just having a real, regular conversation. Yep, because the Kratosians had figured out language. Yep, they're much smarter. Figured out human language. <laughs> they're much smarter. They definitely have better computers. Also, you know, when you eat alone... And it's not social time. It doesn't take so long. So I think you probably have more f- more time to you That's know, true. be smart. Like every time you see a scene set in the mess hall, it's not to show people eating. It's because yeah. that's where they shoot the shit. And whenever Marjan goes out with her friends to have lunch, it takes like three hours. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, what? I see this is where I had. I only saw the waveforms. I was like, what does Hoshi think calculus looks like? Yeah. Because <laughs> all I saw was the waveforms. I was like, uh, I don't. I don't think that's calculus. Um, why doesn't Mayweather ask more questions about the alien monster when he makes up with the Cretacens? Yeah, I hope that he called him back and he's like, hey, how do you get uh, rid of them? I was, 
Sorry, I was real nervous, uh, but can, I do have a bunch of questions about these guys. Can people be saved once they're enveloped? Do you know how to communicate with the alien? Like, shit like that. Why just, do you know where they came from? Yeah. Why That's is that weird, question It was a weird one? choice of question to start with. <sighs> the main Kratosan was hella familiar to me. Yeah, who was he? When I looked him up, I saw it's Admiral Forrest. No. It's Admiral Forrest playing the main Kratosan. In the same show, dude. He pulled a brunt. He pulled a brunt slash Wayun. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, the CGI sucked the whole time. Episode MVP, Mayweather finally got to do something. He's a nice boy, and his politeness saved the day. That's right. <laughs> so, there you go. And by save the day, I mean they told him where the alien comes from. Yeah, they told Which him then how to save the, the day. alien told them more specifically. Look, they asked for an apology, and he did a better job than most politicians. Mm-hmm. So, that's right. I think that counts. I think the day was saved. MVP. Uh, did you already hand out best and worst actor and that stuff? Best and worst actor. I gave best actor to Kelly. She was unconscious most of the time, but she did talk in the beginning and her words made sense. All right, I like it. Good. It's a low bar on Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, worst actor. I gave to I Hate You Dad Hoshi. <laughs> she was real moody this episode, dude. Yeah, she was. It was almost like she just found out that she was a dream and her dad was sin. (laughs) You could say it was exactly like that. It was very much like that. It wasn't even like it. It was that. She found out her dad was sin. I done the math. Okay, how'd it do? Well, I give this episode 21 points. Whoa! You have to remember that I gave it 10 points for its take. That's right. Um, You gave the episode 13 points. That is a very big difference for us. That's a large difference, for sure. Uh, Five-point difference is not uncommon. We were five points apart on both Symbiosis and The Circle. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me to be up eight... In both of those other ones, you were up five. Right. For me to be up eight is very rare. Well, eight is almost the most. Twice we've been off by ten on episodes. And that's the most. Uh, There's a total of 34. Which, in a regular week, might be good for second or third. This week, it's only good for fourth. Yeah. But Um, so far ahead of fifth place. But really, like, really very, very far ahead of fifth place. So the winner this week... (laughs) Go ahead. I was going to say, Voyager, hey, did you see what happened? Everyone else cleared 34. That's right. You couldn't clear 10. That's right. Uh, winner this week with 41, Return of the Archons. Wow. It's going to be uh, TOS's ninth win. Didn't see that coming. And, let's see, they put six points on on top of TNG, so uh, the point totals are going to be tied after this. Oh, shit! So they're going to be, yeah. we're going to call them the winners so far, because they're going to have more wins. More wins and tied for first in points. Yeah. Uh... Second place went to DS9 with The Circle. All right, they're getting their shit together. Uh, then TOS with Symbiosis, and then uh, Enterprise with Fox Sola. Twisted was the uh, Voyager episode that really shit the bed. All time. Week. All-timer. It was the worst All-time episode. worst episode so far. Yeah. And for a while, they had all-time best episode. That's <laughs> true. Though they did uh, surrender it eventually to... TOS's... Uh, Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror, yeah. Uh, next week. Yes. By which I mean 
blissfully two weeks from now. Yep. Uh, we are watching some classics. Ooh, what does Landry say? Landry has us watching Space Seed. Oh, it's so weirdly racist. I don't even know what I'm. I don't know how it's going to play. Advent of Khan Noonie and Singh. He yeah. gets himself a girlfriend who's real enamored of the idea of this powerful barbarian. Yeah. Uh, TNG. Yeah. Skin of Evil. Data something's got me. Data something's got me. We will see if the emotional scene at the end works at all. Yes, we will. Oh, we're going to have uh, so for, much to talk about next time, dude. For Deep Space Nine, we have The Siege, which I believe concludes this three-episode arc. I believe that's correct. So we'll see if that pays off at all. For Voyager, Parturition. What's wrong with them? Parturition. What? I think that refers to giving birth. What's wrong with them, though? But, yeah, what are you guys doing? On. What are you doing here? And then you're going to call the episode where the ship gets all twisted? You're going to call it Twisted? <laughs> the bus the bus that couldn't slow down. That's what they're going to call it. They Billy the and the Clonosaurus, dog. That's right. They're the worst. Voyager, what are you doing? God damn it. Oh, it is. They've gotten it is all technically of, the worst. All the it has anger into last place. that I gave to DS9 in season one has gone straight to Voyager. Uh, and for Enterprise, we're going to watch Fallen Hero. All right. That could be It'll cool. probably be diapers, but, you know, whatever. Sounds cool, though. Uh, Matt, how can they get in contact with us? Mm. The people who, the many, many people who listen to this show, the many who I people. now refer to as they. Yeah, the many people who are totally close to getting caught up on this show. They can tweet us at BrotherDate. They can go to BrotherDate.com for all the old episodes and whatnot. Same thing with the iTunes. And yeah, uh, send us all of your great thoughts about the Star Treks and uh, all of your other thoughts. Um, tell us about any sex dreams you've had lately. Those are the kinds of things that I definitely want to know. <laughs> tell us about what you order when you God go... God damn you if that happens. <laughs> it never happens. I never listen to the prompts. Tell, okay. us, the, tell us the last thing you ordered at a fast, fast food drive through because that'll make me feel really good. That's a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich for me. Oh, great. That's good. Was it a combo or just like... Yeah, I got the I got the large combo oh. with a Diet Coke. What, what, just regular fries, though? Yeah, regular fries. What That's they, Wendy's. What do they let you substitute? I didn't get like a baked potato or a chili or whatever. Yeah, I know they got some weird substitute options. So I was, you know. All right, everybody. It was fun. Their well, fries are bad. I should have chili next time. Have chili next time. Everyone have chili. That's the new motto. Have chili, everyone. And then we'll see you for a mailbag next week. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Kirk quietly says, Landrew. Yes, he Looking does. out the window. Like, everybody clearly said Landrew, dude. Everyone <laughs> in the episode has said it to you, and you still didn't get it right. Please subscribe.